It's no secret that I go out of my way to prioritize my physical fitness. Yeah, I want to look good, but my physical well-being is the pillar of my overall well-being. It has a direct impact on my mental and emotional health. But it doesn't matter how hard I work out, how frequently I work out. If I'm not fueling my body correctly, I'm not going to see the results that I want to see, and neither are you. Which is why Tough Talk with AJ Kirsch is proud to be sponsored by Central Valley Nutrition, a mom-and-pop health food and supplement store. And when you go to centralvalleynutrition.com and use checkout code AJK15, you get 15% off every single item they sell. So if your health is important to you, and if it's not, I'm telling you, it should be. Get 15% off store-wide with checkout code AJK15 at centralvalleynutrition.com because it's never too late to get your fit together. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Tough Talk with AJ Kirsch, a tell-all podcast 10 years after Season 5 of WWE Tough Enough. I am your host, Season 5 contestant AJ Kirsch. Season 5 contestant Ryan Howe joins me this week. That's right, Skid Marks. And we take a deep dive into how he was fighting an uphill battle on Tough Enough ever since Bill DeMott gave him that nickname, how that nickname has continued to follow him around long after Tough Enough ended, the moment he got roughed up by Booker T, and how he continues to pursue professional wrestling to this very day. A ton of ways you can support the podcast. Of course, you can subscribe on your podcast provider of preference by going to thetoughtalkpod.com. You can follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all at the Tough Talk Pod. You get access to early and ad-free episodes, full-length bonus episodes, and a whole lot more by signing up for the Money Talks tier at patreon.com slash Kirsch. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which really does help get more eyes and ears on the show. And finally, if you want to advertise, shoot an email to aj.kirsch at hotmail.com and we'll get the conversation going. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We're about to take a deep dive, three hours plus, with Tough Enough contestant, Ryan Howe. Standing by with Ryan Howe, my fellow contestant from season five of WWE Tough Enough. What's up, man? Hey, nothing. How are you doing, AJ? I'm good, dude. And uh, again, we were just shooting the shit off air. You can swear, by the way. We were just shooting the shit off air and uh, just talking about how we... There's a lot to unpack here, but there's also a decade. There's a decade of separation here that has, for me anyway, has gone by in the blink of an eye. Uh, what has the last decade been like for you? And before we get to Tough Enough, what are you keeping busy with nowadays? I know you're still wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. I mean, that's always, you know how it is. Once you're, I mean, once you're in it, you're in it. And I mean, that's, it's a, it's a lifelong thing. I love right. it. Uh, OVW, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, and they've got a lot of like neat stuff. They just redid a lot of um, they got new owners and you know a lot going on. So it's kind of been exciting. Uh, a lot of stuff in the in the works for them. So they keep me busy, you know. And, and it's cool to do the weekly the weekly TV thing. And and then of course it's I mean that that itself is kind of an advertisement. People are like, oh, this guy's still doing it. Oh, I want to bring him in. You know, I'm still doing the guitar thing and all that. Right. So, um, you know, it it it's like just finding different ways to reinvent with it and, and have fun and um. And, uh, so that's when, I mean, so I guess if you say professionally, like that's kind of what's keeping me ticking. Like, I mean, you, you're still doing the hood slam stuff, right? 
Well, yes and no. I mean, it's it's on hold, obviously, with COVID being being a thing. And, um, you know, we, we pack so many people in such a tight space that it's probably going to be the last pro wrestling show, one of the last yeah. shows to come back. So, but yeah, um, Best of the West, let's see. I do a, a promotion in Fresno called Best of the West, which is more of yeah. a family-friendly thing. And uh, I don't know, I think this will air before... Um, we have our comeback show, which is Saturday, June the 26th, BOTW.TV, if anybody want, wants to get tickets. And since we're plugging shit, uh, do you have yeah. any shows coming up? Um, yeah, so um, there's one called, uh, man, I, the company's ECC. It's out in like uh, towards, uh, uh, like it's it's right on the West Virginia, Ashton. I think it's Ashton, Kentucky, but they run okay. a really show um, outside, you know, outside of OVW. But other than that, I pretty much stick to them right now, like for Ohio Valley. They keep me busy. Um They've got a lot of live events and kind of a summer tour that they've they've booked. So they signed us on to do like, you know, X amount for whatever, you know, oh. for the for the reason. So that's a cool thing. Um, still doing some music stuff. I do a lot of um I, I've done a handful of guys like theme songs um at the studio. My my buddy from where I'm where I grew up in Valparaiso up up in Indiana, uh he I'll still run up there. He's still got a studio, so we run and do some recording. Um, we actually went just this week and did some like metal vampire horror horror sounding stuff it's like zombie meets uh i guess it's like zombie meets motley crew you know it was kind of oh, cool that sounds awesome yeah yeah where so people, that was, where can people hear it like where can people get in touch with you if they want you to write their uh theme music and also where can people find your music and this is also we're going to do this early on um plug your social media where people can keep track of what you're doing too Okay. Yeah. You know, honestly, a lot of, um, guys will just hit me up on like, you know, get an Instagram message, you know, I'm under, um, how man 87, um, that's H O W E, right. H O W E. Yep. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, uh, email, uh, you know, that kind of, you can get all that info, you know, I have it all, all up on there and stuff like under the info. So, uh, but really just, you know, people reach out guys that I've worked with or guys that, you know, you know, word of mouth's like the most coveted thing sure. and once one person's song. So, uh, Ohio Valley, like, uh, back in 2000, I think it was 14. Uh, the owner at the time asked me, he's like, man, would you do a, like a pay-per-view song for us? We need a new one. So me and my buddy worked on it and I just did like all the instruments laid down a good hook with it. And, and, you know, and to this day I'll hear it, you know, they've had several artists and people come in and, and I laugh because if I'm getting dressed up there and I hear the song come on for the Saturday show, I notice everybody's head start bobbing and not a single one of them. I bet know that I wrote that or sang it like <laughs> no clue. And yeah. I like it that. That's got to feel good though. When you see people just, they, they don't know it's yours, but they're just, they're just vibing to it. And it's like, yeah, it was like, you're, you're, you're doing your job. Yeah, 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 exactly. So what do you and play course, besides guitar? Cause I only, I only ever stuff I see of you online and, you know, back on tough enough, you are, you're actually playing songs like in the house, which I want to talk about a little bit, but like, what do you play besides guitar? Um, so I like drums, saxophone, piano. I do a lot of my writing on piano. Yeah. Um, that's, it's a very visual, like just to, to do, you know, I can lay down some chords and play a melody on top of it. Um, for me writing, uh, I mean, as much as I like writing like uh, poetry or lyrics or stuff, you know, cause I'll sing too. Um, sure. and harmonica. I like harmonica and guitar, harmonica and piano. I love like harmonica is such a cool instrument. You're a big um, Steven Tyler fan. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, and and he's like, there's so many guys like him that he, people, it's like a little side thing that he does. Cause he's known for, you know, what he does, but he's, he's actually so good. Like it, yeah. that thing's just like an extension of him. But, um, like, like with, uh, like writing stuff on piano, um, 
you know, the last thing I always worried about was like lyrics and the actual words, you know, it's funny because that's what so many people relate to, but to me, it's always being a music person, like the melody would kind of move me more in, yeah. in whatever was going on. Um, so, you know, a lot of these songs that kind of like have a really good, uh, like just more of an emotional thing to them, whether it's upbeat or slow or whatever, uh, is a lot of it like you'll hear it in the in the hook, like the the melody, the way it goes and flows with like the, har the harmonies and things like that. So to me, I, I would always write the melody on a piano first, and then I'd worry about plugging words in later. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> forgot I, who I, I forgot who yeah. I heard say this, but the, I th somebody described this music and lyric process as like the lyrics are the thoughts and the melodies the feeling. Like yes, they're, exactly. they're 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 different, but they they oftentimes work hand in hand. But then you have a song, <clears throat> excuse me, you have a song like "Every Step You Take" by I don't know if it was technically Sting or the Police, and Please. lyrically it's a dark song, but the melody yeah. and the music is like oh, it's so sweet. Like people dance at their wedding to that song, but it is you look at the lyrics, it is a total stalker song. Yeah, it is no totally, and there's there's a lot like that. Um, there's some man. I was just listening to one the other day. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I'll, I'll think of it later. But yeah, it was yeah. like there's there's a few that like there's you know they catch you like that. And you go what the hell you know? Yeah. Um, you're like I like this song, and then you listen to the lyrics, and you're like ooh ooh this is yeah. dark. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's for real. It, it is. Um, but yeah, so I mean that really that's I mean that's kind of my little. I've always found you know you know how wrestling is you got to find your niche. Like you you've been doing the you do so well with the. Like the, like the uh, ring, the announcing and the, you know, where you host shows and yeah, do all that. Thanks, man. And like, I think you've gotten opportunities with like what, like country shows and, and things that you've done yeah. in the past, things outside of wrestling. And, right. and uh, not to mention like the TV things, like the Larry King stuff and, and reality shows. And, you know, it's just a, it's a gateway career. And it is, you know, that's a great way to describe it. It is a gateway career. It is. And, and I think it's, if you have to remember that if that's the nucleus, like, like even like these guys like the rock and people that have gone on and done far better things like it's still the nucleus to who they are and that's right. what i think right? and you know wrestling's the best platform and we're also passionate about it like it's it's it really it man music i love but it just didn't give me the like the thrill that wrestling did so well let's, you know let's let's dive into that a little bit because like there there are far more genres of entertainment that have things in common with wrestling that i think a lot of people want to give them credit for like and I think music is one of them because you see a lot of these uh, musicians, they have a gimmick or a persona and they just put themselves out. You know, we all, we've all heard the cliche cranked up our attitude, but like cranked up to 11 or something. Yeah. Amped up or whatever. Yeah, amped, yeah. yeah. And so, but yeah, it's like, you've got guys like Dwayne Johnson, Batista, um, you know, a bunch of others who have just like used pro wrestling to launch into a bunch of other forms of entertainment because it's really kind of the most demanding i would think when you take into consideration it's live so you get one take you have to keep yourself in whatever your idea of peak physical condition is or i mean in not even taking the training into consideration but just the bumps uh the yeah. schedule the the performing aspect of it the production of it like there is so much that goes into pro wrestling that i imagine if you're if you go from live one take and that's it to a movie set and you're like, you mean I can do this as many times as I need to? And so we yeah. get it right. What a luxury. Yeah. I mean, it is. And, and, and not to knock those other things because you have to be so good as, you know, as an right. actor. Like, and, but the thing is like, you know, as a wrestler, you're in, I, you, you are who you are all the time, you know, I mean, on, off camera, like you're just, and, and 
you know, I don't think we give fans enough credit because like, you know, in a, you know, guy calling them marks or whatever, you know, they want to throw out there and, but it's, um, they can, it's like a sixth sense, you know, they, you can feel if something's not organic or it's not really right. And that's not just in wrestling too. You can feel that when you're watching anybody perform. Yeah, it's very true. And like, like if their heart's not in it or whatever, but you know, wrestling is so bad for it because when you, when you come into something like that, you're taking advice from everybody left and right. And it's real easy to lose track of who you are. I mean, it's like tough enough is as good as that, that was great opportunity. Wouldn't take it back for the world, right. but you know you get in an environment like that where this is the pinnacle, like where I want to be, and you're like, what's right, what's wrong? You know, eggshells left and right. Oh, you know what God. I mean? Yeah. And if you can break past that, I think I would like to say that all of us, for the most part, in our own ways, have broken past that barrier. Like we're not kids anymore. Like we don't. Yeah. Um, we're not. I could care less. Like if I'm going to say something that upsets somebody, like right. You know, as long as it's not like morally offensive or you know, gonna like. Uh, you know, just totally off the wall. Like you're just like, look, this is me deal with it or not. Like, right. And that's, you know, on a side note, like that, I think about it more and more in the past, like 10 years, but like you, like I look around a lot and, and sometimes I'll talk to like guys getting into it and they're like, man, what was it like? Or what, you know, what, what, you know, where you've been or what, whatever you've done or, you know, and they're trying to learn. And I'm like, sometimes I look around, it's like, where are all the men? Where did all the men go in this world? Because you've got a lot of yes men that are like, yes, sir. I'll do whatever you want to do. Respect, respect. I remember Bill getting on my ass about saying something about respect. He's like, fuck respect. I don't want to hear respect. Hmm. You know, it, did, it didn't click to me, but you know, as, as time's gone on, you kind of get like your ass handed to you in life a little bit. And you're like, maybe the guys really got it. You have somebody like a, a self-made person, like Vince McMahon running a company. It's the guys that like Austin that went back and was like, fuck this script. I'm not doing it. I don't want to be this character. I've worked, you know, 12 years to have this opportunity and I'm going to throw it in your face. Say, I don't want it unless I can do the character I want to do. And then all of a sudden it worked for him. Yeah. So is a self-made person going to respect you more? I mean, who wants a yes man in the ring when you can try to do, you know, your best, but if you can't take the reins and have conviction on like what, who you are, what you want, what you stand for when, I mean, how many 30 seconds of, of uh, TV time on WWE, like back, they said when we were there, it was like, I don't know, like $18,000, some crazy amount. Right. You know? So when you're out there, it's between you, your opponent and a referee. Like, don't you want somebody that's going to take shit into their own hands and no, not somebody that's going to go, man, what do they want? What's, you know, you're going to see through that. Right. You know? I do, I do want to circle back to the, your, how you feel differently between music and wrestling, but I don't want to do that just yet because this I think is an equally fascinating point. And since we're on it, I want to dive into this a little bit. Um, it's a hard line to navigate because when you're young in wrestling and especially when you're training under somebody who is as large a presence as Bill, Trish, Booker, and Steve, it's so wrestling culture is just very yes, sir. No, sir. Speak when spoken to it's very militant and it's yeah. very, you know, they command respect. So when you have somebody like Bill DeMott, who is the drill sergeant of the trainers who's saying fuck respect, then it's like, well, then what have I been learning this whole time? What have I been taught this whole time? And that's when a lot of the second guesses come into play. And then you start doubting yourself. You start getting into your own head and that's one of the ways I think pro wrestling can kind of be its own worst enemy um, because there are a lot of like double standards in that respect where, yes, you do want somebody who's confident enough in who they are and what they bring to the table to be like, 
this is how I can best showcase my talents and this is what I'm going to do. But at the same time, somebody could look at that and be like, this asshole is going into business for themselves. They're not willing to do what the office is telling them. But so it takes a certain, I think, amount of leeway for the office to be like, okay, we trust you enough to let you give it a shot. But on that point, that was 1996. That was 25 years ago. Holy shit. Holy yeah, shit, that was 25 right. years ago. Like, wrestling... Watch Power still, Rangers. Yeah, exactly. Power Rangers and fucking Darkwing Duck and shit. Um, Darkwing Duck. <laughs> <laughs> when there's trouble, you call DW. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was a time when the business was still so lawless and carny. And, you know, WWF was getting slaughtered in the ratings. And so it was like, yeah, you know what? Go out there and try being Steve Austin. Great. Let's see what happens because we can't be doing much worse. And now it's just so corporate. They're public. They're a billion-dollar company. They have so many people to answer to and not offend that I don't think there's room in that in WWE and maybe even AEW at this point because AEW is owned by the same family that owns this National Football League sports franchise. So I just talked a lot, but I would love to get your thoughts on some of, if not all the things I just said, because the landscape is entirely different nowadays. It, it has. And I mean, go, and on, on the sub, like the respect thing, like that thing yeah. with Bill, I think double standards, you know, to be honest, I think they expose a lot of who we are. Like it happens within you a lot. I know it sounds kind of out there, but like, I see what you you're know, saying though. It's, I mean, it's, it's your own conflict. You're the one that, I mean, these things are presented to you in different ways and you're the one you know, the battle of what do they mean with this when it could mean this or whatever. And that's all you. So, you know, when he was saying like, fuck respect and stuff, like it was, it, that's, he means the two dimensional, I think, you know, in hindsight, 2020, whatever, right. like it's the, that two dimensional, like yes or no, sir, because it's, that's coming from a uh, formality. It's, it's not organic. They're not truly, you know, these, a lot of these guys coming in, like, like us at the time, you don't, know if you if you know who some of these people are because i'm sure you've met your handful of veterans and and legends and people that you really didn't know much about you know but you're still like oh this guy said you're somebody so yes sir you know but where's it really coming from so when you really mean it and you really but that takes i mean you're building lifelong friendships with these people that are a generation ahead of you and 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 that's like an earned respect like you know back but it's not uh it's, it's more a matter of like, it, at the end of the day, it, it, it is, it's your, it's a professional sport. Like that's what we do. And you don't see, you know, football players, like they, they listen to their coach and they, they do all that, but they still, at the end of the day, they, you it's know, they, don't, the field. they exactly. And when you come in, it's like, like you said, it's a very old school, like Carney, like sometimes I think so much of that's just like, it, it is as much of a different generation as it was. It's, it's this giant rib that makes you like, you know, second guess yourself. Like I, I was so confident going into it as a musician and I'm like, Oh, I can entertain. This is going to be great. I was so yeah. excited to learn. But the minute somebody just says, Oh, you're going to be the shits or whatever, you know, it's, you're like, well, what do you mean? Like, you know, I'm excited. Um, thought I was doing well. Yeah. I thought I was doing well, but I do think, uh, you know, go into the, you're talking about like how it's more of a, you know, this billion dollar machine that just feeds itself at this point. Right. You're right. And I personally, man, I think, we came in at a time that like the, the particular time that show happened, there was a big shift in like the, uh, the, uh, the landscape of how that whole thing works. I think 
because some of the like coming in and learning, like I think we were both, we were all kind of doing it a couple of years before that, before that show, you know, so enough to kind of feel out like guys were getting dark matches and, and what it was like up there and talking to them. But then when we were up there, it just seemed very like, um, like doing that show and then being around it and then go, I'm sure you went back several times after like for darks and just tryouts yeah. or whatever. And, in, and I, it's like from the point they moved on to the performance center on, it was like sealed and done where it was a different, it just didn't feel, you know, after tough enough, I went straight down to FCW and, and to me, the performance center was a totally different vibe than what FCW had going on. Right. Uh, Tampa. And, and, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it, it's it, sometimes you go like, man, is this, I mean, I know I want to wrestle, but do I want to work here or do I really care as long as I can make a living doing it? Yeah. Is that <laughs> you what know? you were facing when you were at FCW? And follow-up question, were you signed to a contract after Tough Enough or were you signing up for like training camps at FCW at the time? No, I went down and uh, Bill, I talked to Bill and he was like, just go do the training camps and be down there. So I okay. stayed down there a uh, year and a half, two years. Around the time they moved over to the Performance Center, I, um, I uh, there, that you know, the opportunity to like, pay for training and that was gone it was just the full sale thing you know what they were doing so i i had moved back and and uh obw had reached out because impact had signed on there as like a developmental deal for them so i went and did the gut check stuff so I, that's why i moved oh, yeah. back I did too i did too yeah yeah fun wasn't it right yeah it was <laughs> anything ever cool coming up for you um yeah a little bit i did um i kept working they put me with um i did like the you know when they used to do the the like the, they would do like the, the competition thing, uh, with like, I did like a singles match with the guy and the next week was like the promo or whatever we had right. to do. Um, so we did that. And then I went back, Oh, you know, Ohio Valley being like their developmental, um, they were like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do something with you guys. And they put me with spud, uh, who is, uh, he does like the Drake, Drake Maverick now. Right. And we had like a little rock and roll tag team, like the singer and guitar player. It was, uh, <laughs> I come up with the name. I got it from a, there was an old a kiss, like a greatest hits from kiss called double platinum. Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh, I just was driving one day and I saw it in the car and I was like, double platinum. That'll be our name. You know, okay, I thought yeah. those are cool. So wait, is that how he got the name rockstar spud? No, he was already rockstar spud. Okay. He did uh British boot camp, which was like, they're tough enough for, uh, I think impacted or TNA at the time had done it. Um, uh, but that was for the UK for them. I see. Uh, so he, I think he won it and then they sent him to Ohio Valley. So they sent him there and, uh, you know, asked me if I wanted to come up from Florida and, and work there, you know, weekly. And I didn't like, so nothing was really going on after FCW was getting shut, you know, closed up and, and move right. on to the center. You know, so that hasn't come up with, with anybody I've talked to yet. Can you speak on a little bit? And then after that, I do want to circle back to music and wrestling. And then I feel like it makes sense to dive into tough enough. Um, yeah. what was, what was that process like from the inside as WWE was shifting from FCW, their you know development territory, to this top tier training facility that would become the Performance Center? What was that like from a talent perspective? And you know, w- was your future just uncertain at that point? Were you hoping to get the call and, and continue at FCW? No, you know, I never like uh, I never sat there and waited for like a, a phone call. Or anything. Like I just figured okay well I, I know i've got to work and 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 do whatever and yeah i'm sorry point, i meant nxt the call to join nxt but for nxt yeah. yeah but as far as fcw you know i didn't know they were like pulling out or doing anything i didn't know what was going on i had you know i never really followed a lot of the social media like i just 
wasn't my thing, you know, right. I didn't know much about like the performance center or these, these talks they were having about it uh, when they were talking about it. So far as I knew, they were still training at FCW and running their normal classes, like beginners class and, you know, whatever they had for like their development, I, all their developmental people were still in Tampa so far as I knew. And Bill was running um, classes, correct? Uh, yes, Bill. I think Bill was, I, yes, he was. He was. He was running like the 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 main like the main training on like whatever you know when every day of the week up for them. And then right. the, I did like Norman Smiley. Um, I think uh, Billy Gunn came in for a little bit. Uh, was Steve Kern there? Oh yeah, Steve. Okay, was, yeah, he, he he was. I think he owned it or ran it. You know. Oh right, think, right. Yeah, um, but he would do a little bit of that stuff. Um, and then I think Dusty was still doing like the promos and stuff then. Okay. So. Uh, and Ricky so it, was a, it was a lot of the people then that would would move on to become a part of the performance center, but oh, not yeah. But from a talent side, though, not everybody continued on. No, no. I mean, I, I like I said, I was just you know, I, I figured I'd do the, the classes and learn how to, you know, all the stuff that whether it was a, a work or not or whatever the case was, like stuff they would attack us for and tough enough. I'm like, all right, well, not going to learn it on the independence because clearly that's hokey as shit. <laughs> you know, and, and I figured, you know, if you're, you know, I, I, at that point I would just use an Indies like for practice, but then you risk a getting hurt, you know, and you know, uh, not that you want to fear it, you know, cause then it'll probably happen, but if, then you're going like, okay, so I'm not learning the right way, really. I mean, I'm yeah. learning to work and talk on the fly and do all that stuff. Like, you know, walk and talk and, but, um, but you want to learn their way. And, you know, they kind of set the precedent for everything everybody else is doing regardless. So that figured to cover that training and then do a place like Ohio Valley where if they're reaching, even if it's like 4 million homes or whatever, you know, at least every week's an advertisement for you versus, you know, 400 people in an armory is great, but that's all you're going to reach that night. That's you know? true. Right. Nothing drives me crazier than seeing pictures. Like I, I can't do much about it with 50% capacity, but when I see pictures, like it's, it might be a great shot of a guy in the ring. And there's empty seats in the back. Oh, it drives me crazy. It's the God. worst. It's the worst. Like <laughs> you're right in front of nobody. It's mm. awful. And like the cooler the picture, the, the worse I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. If it's like a, a beautiful elbow drop or like a Northern Lights suplex with just a picture perfect bridge. And then there's like, you know, some somebody in the back who's just like this. It's like, oh, yeah. no. One fan on his phone. You're going, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know they're not tweeting about the match either. No, um, this is what's wrong with the world. Yeah, exactly. Shitty bridge. Four, oh, three stars. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into. Um, you said you said you love music. You love writing music. You love performing music. And uh, I will continue the question as long as it takes for you to get situated. But um, oh yeah. Oh no, it's all it's all good. Um, Got it. But, you know, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that nothing quite reaches you like being in the ring and just being in that moment. And so as a multifaceted entertainer, I would love for you to expound a little bit upon what is it about wrestling that just makes it like that much more enthralling or fulfilling than playing music does? Man, uh, first of all, is this close enough? Did you need me? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Cool. Did you set me I, on? It, what? Oh, I thought we were on a guitar for a second. I was like, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, no, it's just a, it's yeah. just a table of remotes. Yeah, I would say they're... Uh, yeah, oh, I see okay. them on the wall, though. That's dope. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 
my whole house, man. I tell you, it's like a, uh, my, my, I got a little three-year-old now, man. And uh, we'll oh, get dude, that. congratulations. I mean, yeah, three dude. years later, but that's awesome. Dude, it's a life changer, it's, but it's awesome. I can't take it back for the world. Oh, and there's a cat. No. <laughs> he wants to know what's going on too. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, so going back, you were talking about like, um, like the, like, you know, music not being quite as like intense or it like, Rest, all I can the best way to put it, you know, wrestling is like the ultimate form of entertainment. There is nothing like you know, and, and there's nothing you can't act any script, you can't, uh, I mean, live music, crowd. anything, yeah, even, even, uh, I guess, even uh, public speaking and stuff's entertainment to some degree. You just none of it is a theater actor, like it's, it's little bits and pieces, but what we do is a theatrical art and yeah, you know, it, it, in it, it's like, it, you just, the, the, the intensity and the adrenaline and, you know, people as, as choreographed as people think things are, they're not. And that's where like, you know how it is. Like you just, you, you go with things and you feel a crowd and it's literally all, I mean, you know, as like, if you're as a, as a heel, you know, like, you're going to rip that carpet out whenever you feel the opportunities there to do it. You know, you can't plan it. You can't plan how people are going to react. You can't plan. I mean, you could think you're going to have the coolest thing in the world going and you're going to look around when you're in the ring and see everybody on their phones, not caring. So you got to switch it. And what other career do you get to do that? You know, take people on like as cliche as it sounds, it is a roller coaster and it should sound that way. Right. No, but you're right though. Cause if you're, if you are a theater actor in, in actually doing theater, you're sticking to your script, you're sticking to your, your, you know, blocking on the stage. Like, you know, exactly how the show is going to go. And you're hoping that your performance is going to get people invested. That's you right. don't yeah. have the luxury to change on the fly or improvise or yeah. t- decide to literally take the show into the crowd and fight on the bar or fight in the street or throw somebody over the barricade or whatever it is. Um, Do you think that's, that's fading away in wrestling though? I mean, at least in televised wrestling, I feel like that is not an option anymore. No, it's not. And I don't know, you know, I think, you know, just like a match tells a story, like the show tells a story, you know? So hence like, you know, if we get, I don't know if we get too detailed about how, how things work behind the scenes, but. Oh, we can get as detailed as you are comfortable with. Like, you know, most of the secrets are out there. I respect it. If you don't want to be one of the people that continues to divulge them, but like, we, we all know what's going on at this point. No, exactly. But you know, like, so, I mean, you have agents and, and in theory, if you're watching the whole show, like you should be, and not worried about just your match, you know, you're not that way. You're not going to see 15,000 lockups that night, you know, from everybody. And, but if, if, you know, if I'm third match and I see the second match, one with the schoolboy, like those people can't relate to anything, but like a, a few things, like they have probably been poked in the eye at some point, which they're selling all, all fucking day long. So yeah. why you wouldn't keep selling your eye through the curtain? I don't understand. Yeah. They've probably been punched or kicked or bit or something. So, but aside from that, like, I've never seen anybody back body drop at a bar, you know, or seen anybody bump off the back elbow. So how they can relate is on our reaction. So if I see somebody win with the schoolboy, I'll probably use that for a more meaningful thing in, in my match at some point on the fly where that's like legitimately a false finish because they've seen somebody be beat with it. They've been educated, you know, um, whether they know it or not, by the way, which is, this is the difference between, you know, how a wrestler looks at, 
at a match and how a fan looks at the match is because a wrestler has the luxury of seeing what everybody else is doing and uh, and those details can make or break somebody being attached to a match or on their phone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, they don't know why they're emotionally connected. They, but they are, and right. they know they are. And, and therein and lies the art of wrestling. That's one of my favorite things. I don't know if it was, it was Al Snow. I learned so much from that guy uh, just because he's, he's got a very teacher mentality. I, I hear he's of, one of the best trainers in the world and has he, been he, for years. He is. He's just, you know how, the only thing I can relate it to is like when I went from playing guitar to like teaching kids guitar, you relearn it, you right. know, and he's got that. You reach a certain level of higher level understanding when you teach, like he's just got a really good way of breaking things down and saying it. I think, I think it was him that said it though. Like, uh, you don't, uh, uh, oh, where are we going with that? You just, um, Oh, talking about like looking at other wrestlers moves during matches and not wanting to repeat stuff, but you're conditioning your audience to look out for stuff. Yeah. Um, man, I was going somewhere with what he said, you know, basically he was, you know, first of all, he was the one that kind of like, you know, the show tells a story and stuff like that. Right. You know, and you wrote that I'll think of what it was in a minute, but it okay. was like, um, it, it just, there's some really good, good advice out there for guys that, to make you look at things for what they are. And you're like, Oh, well, you know, like, it's sometimes too you forget to look at it from the perspective of a crowd when you're so in the wrestler mindset too yeah like yeah like you forget like i know something something that kind of bothers me is like when somebody takes a clothesline like they're gonna they're gonna take the bump but then a lot of times they'll sell their head or you know their their back because in their head they're taking a bump but what the crowd is seeing is the clothesline so i would think that they would want to sell like up here as opposed to, yeah. as opposed exactly. to, the so it's just little stuff like that. But again, there, that's the thing about art, right? Is that there's no real wrong way to do it. As long as if you're reaching your audience, if you're making your audience feel something, then there's, there's, there really isn't a wrong way to do it. Just do it safely at the end of the day. Just do it. Just be yeah, safe. exactly. You know, that's, it's exactly what you want, you know? And, um, how many guitars do you have hanging on walls at your place? Oh God, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, t- I'm trying to get to a room with better light. Hold on, oh, no, I mean, it's been a whole thing, a whole fiasco here. Oh, that's that's quite all right. We're getting a tour of your home. Um, yeah, no shit. Searching right? for the searching for the right light. As far as I know, I think there's. I'm pretty sure I bought a pack of a dozen hooks, so I know there's at least twelve hanging up. But wow, I don't know if I've added any. Do you have but, a favorite? Uh. And sentimental favorite, yeah, or uh, I mean, uh sentimental, whatever, yeah, yeah, either or both, like, yeah. Sentimental favorites in the case, let me see. Uh, let's see if we can find them. Sentimental okay. favorites in the case right now, it's got like the custom, like the diamond steel plate. But this is the this one's kind of my new favorite right now. It's a okay, uh, Ooh, this glittery. Is, it's an Ibanez, uh, it's great for TV, I like using it for that, yeah. but it's got a uh, an updated like a Floyd Rose, so you can do those dive bombs from like the 80s. Dive um, bombs. Like, no, like you know what I mean? Oh, like, I got you. I got you. Some cherry pie stuff, but yeah, right. it's, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's like built for speed, man. You can just go crazy yeah. on it. And does the uh, the pick on your neck does that is that does that have any sentimental value? Yeah. You know, and I sent you a message like we uh, with this uh, 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 COVID shutdown stuff. Um, you know, we've done a lot of uh, you know, like a lot of people have done like like little small business hustles and things. Sure. And 
one thing without being able to wrestle, I was like, well, what can I do that can benefit when I go back and wrestle? So I thought I kind of wanted like a PG 13 type. Um, like you see the rock shirts, like the earn it stuff and whatever. Yeah. And so I wanted to start something that was, uh, like my, my girlfriend is, uh, uh, a, uh, has a screen printing, you know, deal. And I was like, why don't we like do something that, that motivates people like yeah. outside of wrestling. And then the fact that you've got that little, funny little niche to you like and i see so many fighter like ufc fighter style shirts at gyms i was like they need a wrestler brand too right Come right on. so so like this is one of them like the work effort hard and we called you know it's, i didn't call like myself because we know being in wrestling like lionheart chris jericho you sure. know that kind of thing but everybody i'd met and known like over the years like in my personal life outside of wrestling was always like you are a lion you have the heart of a lion and that's such a cool like like a compliment like yeah that's great. You know, people meet in the gym or train. They're like, you just have a, like, the biggest Lionheart I ever. So we started a company called Lionheart. So it's got like the little, you know, uh, so I've oh. got some pics of the shows. It's got a, uh, I don't know if you can. I see it I'll there. See I see it there in the middle. It's got a. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. yeah a little lion. It but it's all over online and stuff. But How do people find them? Uh, so Lionheart Customs. Um is the uh so we do the shirts and then also under the same company i make um i don't, I don't know if i ever share this with you but i do uh you know how you have like your nutrition solutions like the meal preps and stuff yeah. like that um so i do those and what i mostly do i just keep it like local i don't deal with mailing but we live in like evansville so anywhere from st louis to louisville to nashville to cincinnati i'll reach out to or indy within a couple hours um and basically instead of taking on training clients um Cause you know, sometimes you know how that is as a trainer, like it's unreliable. I see you doing your fitness videos, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, you get people to check in at least, you know, with this stuff going on, it's hard to get people to actually train. And then, you know how it is like 80% of it's eaten right. Right. And if they're not doing at that, I thought, well, man, take the other, other side of it. So living in town here, uh, moving here for like my son and that I, I linked up with a guy that has a golf course um, and he's got a kitchen in there. So two days a week, I cook the meals, I get everything prepped and I, I love cooking like, and, and uh, making like the healthy stuff. So yeah. that's pretty much my gig outside of wrestling. And uh, so that's I do awesome. that with Lionheart as well. You know, it's, it's just a message, you know, for people to keep trying and, working hard so right but also you're providing a service so that it makes them yeah. feel like they don't have to work not not that they don't have to work as hard but that it's not quite as daunting for them to reach their health and fitness goals which That's, is definitely yeah. intertwined with pro wrestling like you were saying it's a gateway career because it is with it pro is. wrestling, like that's how I like got acquainted with eating right and working out and and you know you can that that in itself is just so many different ways you can market yourself. Well, you know, that's something interesting about this, like being in this, that, that profession, like you, I don't know if you can count or remember, like I'll be telling stories to Lori or whoever that have no, nothing to do with wrestling. And you'll be telling them and I'm like, I'll tell a story of something I completely forgot or somewhere I completely forgot meeting, but clearly changed my perspective on something important. Right. And you, the, the, you got to think the amount when somebody, I mean, all the power to them, but when somebody lives in a town, whether it's a big city, like, uh, you know, Nashville, or it's uh, uh -oh. lost, lost your, there, oh, we're, back. we're back. Okay. I got to get plugged in here in a minute. Uh, okay. It's, it's all good. Like Nashville or a small town, but they've never been out of it. Like how many people do you really interact with that you can, with an open mind, especially learn, you know, knowledge of nutrition and training. And, you know, one of the most valuable things moving to Florida, I went to gold's gym there and one of the girls trained the girls of all people, you know, she that was trained at FCW. She's like, 
First of all, get out of goals. Stop training like a bodybuilder and train like an athlete because yeah. that's what you And man, it changed my perspective so much. But then the people you meet along the way, other, others don't have that benefit. So you take all the things you learn and you share that with people. Mm-hmm. You know, you're telling them it's right or wrong, but think about all the people you've, I mean, compared to what most have the opportunity, I met thousands, you know, yeah. you that yeah. have changed and something. Absolutely. And that's, that's part of though is, you know, we were talking about those double standards in wrestling earlier. Part of it is learning to take what people tell you. And is that something you just kind of file away and, and maybe you don't dust that off or is that something that actually resonates with you and something you, that you want to, you know, kind of weave into the fabric of who you are. It's, you can't, if you listen to everybody and take everybody's advice, you're, you're going to lose who you are. And so It, it takes a certain amount of trusting your gut when you get that advice and be like, you know what? I think they're onto something or, you know what? I think they're full of shit. Yeah. And that's important exactly. to get good at. Um, so Lionheart Customs, uh, super convenient, by the way, that your girlfriend has a screen printing shop for somebody who's yeah. like marketing themselves as a wrestler and as a, a fitness enthusiast and all these other things, uh, musician. Yeah. So good for you, man. Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, I met, and another thing, just on a side note, but I met yeah. her because I wanted to switch over. I just thought I need to do something different than the guitar for a little bit, you know, and, and uh, just for whatever, you know, and, uh, and, I, and I got so many He-Man comparisons over the years, you know, like, like smart asses shows calling me He-Man. I thought I'm yeah. going to be He-Man. So <laughs> I was Howman, you ah. know, and uh, hence the, hence the, the Twitter and the right. Instagram. But uh, I told her, I was like, I need like something like the cartoon, like the, but, but meets the movie like with Dolph Lundgren, favorite movie of all time. Yeah. That and fantastic. So I was like, I need like maroon trunks and like something off the wall. So I met her that way because she she makes gear and stuff. So God, um, even better. What a catch. So man, she's like, I she got the whole the whole basement's like a studio and like 50, more sewing machines and crap than I could figure it out. I was like, look, <laughs> I don't need a studio down here. I'll I'll leave it for you. Yeah. So she also does that under uh, Lionheart too. So a lot of the 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 wrestlers and, and people out outside of wrestling and um, you know, whether it's like theatrical, whatever right. stage combat or, you know, burlesque, whatever. So people can hit up the, the Lionheart one customs and uh, get, you know, whether it's a screen printing or gear or wrestlers and people that need t-shirts, we can do that for too. So awesome. It's so like, I, I just want to mention it one more time where it's like, it started with wrestling and now you're make you're writing and performing entrance themes. You're doing pay per view songs. You've got you know your girlfriend doing the screen printing business. You're doing meal prep. Like it's it's amazing the careers that will open up by pursuing not just pro wrestling but anybody pursuing their passion. It opens yeah. doors for you in ways that you could have never never predicted when you're just starting out and being like I want to be a wrestler or a yeah. race car driver or an astronaut or whatever it is. It, it's amazing. It really is. And, and, you know, one thing I was just talking to her today about it, but one of the best quotes I'd seen uh, was like, you know, when you work your eight hour day for whoever, you know, cause we all have to do it at some point. Right. They said that that's when you clock in and you start working on you, you know, whether it's, if it's something simple, like getting in shape and more to the gym, but guys like you and I, like you've got, you've got a direct, you know, that vision of what you want to do. Um, so now it's like, you know, you find, okay, like you're, you're doing the podcast thing. This was, I mean, this took, it was, it was not easy for you to set this up. I know. And you've, you've plugged it and advertised and I've been amazed at the amount of like, you know, feedback you've gotten from just kind of following it. And it's, and it's a great, you put together a great thing, you know, Thank you. and but you mean you, you, it's not like you just, 
a lot of people, the, the system or whatever is designed where you go to work, you clock out, and then you kind of clock out of life and you just watch criminal minds on the couch or whatever you do, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and just and when it's like, I can't, I, we, we just this past couple of weeks, for whatever reason, we watched, um, I got on some kind of series with her watching it. Oh, she tried to talk me into watching Outlander. So I watched like, I was like, okay. okay. So I watched like maybe three or four shows. I thought, man, my head is killing me because I haven't watched that much TV in probably 10 years, you yeah. know? And, and, uh, and it's amazing what, uh, you know how it is when you're, when you're kind of in, in the flow of doing things, you're just moving so fast and you, it, your energy feeds itself really. Right. And, Man, you can get a lot of shit done in one day. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, you really can. But it's also easy to like let a day just kind of slip away. Like, and, and I don't know about how you've been dealing with COVID, but like, I've definitely had those days where I'm just like unmotivated, discouraged. Mm. Like, it's hard to get out of bed because all the things I love to do are like not happening between yeah. wrestling and when the gyms were closed. And it's like, yeah. it was a real lesson in adaptability because, you know, I still stayed in shape. Obviously, my heart still yearns to have pro wrestling shows back with full capacity crowds. I yeah. know it's coming. We just need to, you know, get vaccinated, mask up, socially distance, and stay patient more than anything else. We just need to be patient. But it's been, you know, you've, I've had my good days and my bad days. And, and sometimes those good days last weeks and sometimes those bad days last weeks. It's definitely been a challenge. How have you been handling COVID? Um, all good days, I, you know, but it's, it's, I feel like, uh, it's your perspective. You know, if you wake up, that's true. you know, you like literally in a minute, you can just go, okay. But, but the difference is I, you know, it racked my brain every day over like, like to be honest, we started like that Lionheart stuff, all of it. I mean, you got, you're talking like three or four different things in one company name that, right. but it was every time something you hit a little, like anything, you hit a little bit of a bump in the road or you kind of go, well, what should I do about this side of it or waiting on a website to be built or, you know, it's, so you jump to something else. So I always, every day was a new, like, okay, what am I going to sink all this time into, you know? And, uh, and I actually, on a side note, went, um, a few years ago, uh, I was hurt. Um, it actually was at Ohio Valley and, uh, I had to take like, I, at first I was gonna get surgery and then I literally like the day of, I was like, I don't need it. I'll be all right. Whoa. And, uh, I was all right. Is this damn shoulder? It was an AC, uh, so Ooh. the SC got separated a long time ago. And then about seven years, uh, ago, uh, this, this bad boy. And, and it just, it's, I mean, and they said, well, we'll put it up, put a screw in it. But if it gets stripped out, I mean, it's, you can't really do much. So I said, I'll wait till I retire, which will never happen. <laughs> so in that time, um, that was when they were doing the TNA stuff and uh, to keep a little bit of a contract. And, and they, um, they, uh, he, Danny, the owner, he's like, what do you want to drive the ring truck? So I went out and got a CDL. <laughs> so not knowing I only needed a chauffeur's for it. I just did the whole thing. I want a CDL. <laughs> So I didn't, and I did it for a couple of weeks and then I was like, I'm wrestling, fuck this. Yeah. And, um, and years pass now and this thing hits and I go, well, damn, I guess Pepsi, they could use a uh, truck driver since there's no wrestling shows. So that lasted a couple months. And then, and then uh, they were like, man, this guy's really good. We're going to, we're going to, the beer company stole me. So I was driving the beer truck around. I would have been Austin's best friend, man. <laughs> driving the, uh, driving the Budweiser truck around delivering beer. I was everybody's friend during oh, COVID. Oh man. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> that 
<laughs> but that talk about man, as soon as as soon as they said like in April, they said we're opening back up. I I was like, see guys, I'm out. You know, right. back to wrestling. So right, uh, they knew though. You know, as long I, I truly feel, man, as long as you're you're honest people and like upfront, and you're not. Um, I think my in the past I'd always been overly hopeful. Like I could, you know, what do you call it? like serve two masters or like oh man, oh, I'll make it work. Don't worry. Right. But you learn like. It, whether you come off as an asshole or not, like getting hired, I was like, look, as soon as wrestling starts, I'm probably not going to be around for the summer. If you know, if it goes through. Right. And, and you know what? No bad. And you never really burn any bridges that way. People know, you know, you're cool. And right. And it was people, all people know why you're there. They know how long you're going to be there. And it, it mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't do anybody any good for you to be like, well, Bye guys. Like yeah. deuces. I'm out of here starting. Oh, right now. So best yeah. of luck. Dick and, you know, I, it, I, sometimes people think uh, like uh, karma or whatever is like this third, like this third party thing. But a lot of times I think it's in your own, like, you know, they, they say like the conscious and the subconscious, like the conscious is like the tip of the iceberg of the water and the subconscious, like the whole mountain. Right. And when you do stuff like that, I think it somewhere in there, you, whether you justify it or not, somewhere in there, you know, if, if you hurt people or if you put them in a, and it comes back, you know, it, it's just not good here. You're going on to a career where it's, first of all, it's very dangerous, you know, right. and, and it's your lifelong dream and you're going to go try to make some of it, but you're leaving a bunch of breadcrumbs behind you of, of things that you didn't clean up or you didn't, you know, right. Uh, that's a, for the record, that's, I think that's a Matthew McConaughey had written a book called green lights. And uh, I spent a lot of the COVID time like reading and and like researching new books like that. And that's a I'd recommend that to anybody, man. Okay. Like especially in wrestling, yeah, green lights. And it's uh, I think green lights is a reference for like when you see things in your life that seem like a problem. It's again, it's just perspective, and it really is a green light, you know, to to go. So he, he's he's a really cool dude, man. Like the way it. Uh, and if you if you're yeah, I know you'll be driving a lot with these shows up and down the coast. So put that audio book on like uh, yeah, Libby something like that and uh that was just it really impressed me i didn't expect it to be like it was but it was, yeah. it was cool. so, i'll check it out i will That's, yeah. i mean within every challenge lies an opportunity and yes it's exactly. not always easy to keep that mindset when the challenge is you know when it's a a, a tall order or when the, it just feels like it life is piling on you but um you're i think you're right it is it is all perspective like um but you mentioned it like you said Oh God, what was it? You said it, I had a perfect segue plan to go into tough. And oh, you said you're chasing a lifelong dream and you want to make something of yourself. So let's dial, let's dial it back 10 years and say tough enough comes along. You're an aspiring pro wrestler, uh, pro wrestler at the time. I mean, you were, you were doing it. You were on the indies as diamond steel, right? This rock star, larger than life, <laughs> rock star character. You don't look 10 years older, by the way, you're like, you you look like the spitting image of 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 the guy who was on Tough Enough ten years ago. So whatever you do, it's working. Hey, same with you, man. That's what well, I thanks, said. Man. Yeah, you look. Yeah, really, really. It's, that's you. awesome. Yeah. Um, so how changed. did you first hear that Tough Enough was being brought back? Were you familiar with the prior series, and what was your game plan to get the attention of the casting producers? Well, uh, up. You know, being up in, uh, like I told you, Valparaiso, Indiana is where, like, I was kind of from and uh, like, trained at a small little, been trained a couple years at a small little, uh, uh, like, training place up there, you know, just ran little shows once a month or whatever. And I think um, 
I had since then moved down and been on the road with Smothers and then his daughter, uh, who I was dating at the time. And uh, that's I, right. I was yeah. trying. I was trying to remember who you were dating at the time. You were dating Tracy Smothers' daughter. That's right. Yeah, I was. And uh, so I was on the road with him, and I moved to Louisville with her. And uh, I think I was working at gym or something like that. And I got a call from a guy that was uh, that I trained with up there, and he was like, "Man, they're bringing tough enough back. You should apply." And I remember just laughing, like thinking, what a long shot. Like I would even, you know, like I'd even try. It's like, oh, look, I'm not a mark. Come on. Right, I, exactly. I, like, I got to apply for that. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I just kind of laughed it off and I never applied or anything. And so far as I know, uh, Jess, Jesse never did either. Um, and what was really strange, uh, I had, I want to say I had set up, Facebook, maybe, maybe like two months before that. It wasn't long before. It was like when I moved to Louisville, she set it up for me. Okay. And man, I was living the MySpace life. I still am. Tom's Tom's still in my top five. Hey man, uh, I in a world full of Zuckerbergs, we need Tom back. We, we, we need, need Tom back. We need Tom. Tom was everybody's <laughs> first friend, and Zuckerberg was like that fucking rich nerd in the corner that nobody liked. So no. shout out to MySpace Tom, wherever you are. Tom. You're always going to be top five in my heart. <laughs> Amen. You remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Amen. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, they, uh, man, it wasn't, but a, I want to say like a week, maybe a week went by. It wasn't very long. And I got this message from a lady saying she was a producer from Shed Media. And she thought me and my girlfriend would be a great couple for the show. On and Facebook. I just thought, on Facebook. And I just uh -huh. thought it was a spam thing. I don't now whether I, the only way I could guess is somebody had to have given that information somewhere, you know, like, I don't know who, like who I would have been working with at the time that was in, in touch with people there, but you, I mean, think that's like a needle in a haystack, you know what right. I mean? Like it's so whatever the case was, I got that. And I, I didn't even respond. Like I just you remember what the name was who hit you up. Amy Thomas. Oh, okay. Amy Thomas. And, uh, and uh, I, I just brushed it off. And then I got a uh, another message from her asking for my number. And uh, and then she sent me, I think she went ahead and sent me their number. Like, so maybe it was her way of showing me that it was legitimate because it was like, a, you know, it wasn't like an 800 or random. It was like an area code. Right. And I think I'm pretty sure it was an L.A. area code. It had to have been right because they were mm -hmm. in L.A. Yeah. But um, uh, three, two, three. Is it? Something is like that, that LA? I think so. I think it's is somewhere that, down there. I think yeah. there's a couple down there, a couple area codes. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's what's yours up there, by the way. Four one five is four one five. Yeah, that's that's San Francisco, uh, Marin County, which is just north. I'm in Berkeley though, which is five one zero, is like Berkeley, yeah. Oakland, that whole area. But yeah, that's right. Five. That's right. Yeah, five one zero. Isn't that uh There's so many TV shows based off your guys' area codes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you might be thinking of 90210 the zip code. yeah 90210 the yeah, zip code. but um there's something something with a 5101 in it. i don't know but anyway um so she i ended up well i went ahead and called and i was like hey just to see and uh and then that, that kind of started the process so it all went and yeah. we really made it uh her and i were actually doing like you know i'm sure you, you went through all the same like all those like little phone interviews and and then sending in a ton of like paperwork and oh god whatever the forms yeah oh Extensive. the forms oh my god they were and that was i mean i feel like maybe it was 
all there then, but I learned later a lot, like how to take scans from like your phone, like from tiny scan app. And so I, I was like going to the freaking library and scanning this shit. I'm, <laughs> I can't tell you how much I paid them to fax stuff for me. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't even know, asking the old little old library lady to do it. Well, I don't even know if half of it made it, to be honest. But, right. Uh, Enough of them. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I've been surprised. But, uh, but yeah, we made it, her and I uh, went so far and I think uh, we were visiting my parents like in the end of January uh, and uh, I got that last call and they're like, well, we're going to fly you out. And she's like, well, I guess I didn't get one. So uh, it was kind of sad. I was like, man, eh, well, that was anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, man, that would have been really cool had a couple actually been on Tough Enough because you yeah. know it only would have been a matter of time until both of you were in the bottom three. Like, yeah. That's, that that's, that would have made for some fantastic television. That really, that would have. Yeah, that would have been really good. Uh, I didn't well, think about it. I'm sure she was happy for you, though. Ah, she was, I think. You know, yeah. it, it, it worked out the way it did. But, uh, but man, I wouldn't take it back for the world, though. You know, and I would have been equally as happy for her if that happened. Of course, of course. So you're in L.A. I'm sure they told you the same thing they told me. Pack as if you're going to be down here for six weeks, six to eight weeks. Yeah. And then... Yeah. We're down there with, um, you know, 14 people would be the cast of Tough Enough. That's how many people they would start out with. But there were a total of 28 people down there at the time because, you know, they wanted to, they had, they had more whittling down to do. What can you tell me about your experience being sequestered in the hotel and then stepping in front of that, like, firing squad of executives between USA Network, Shed Media, and WWE? Man, you know, first of all, I was so damn bored. I learned to stand on my head really, really good. <laughs> I, I started with nice. two pillows under it, and then I got down to one pillow, and then I got down to a folded pair of pants, and then down to the bare floor. Nice. Uh, you got to build up that neck, brother. Oh, my God. I was like, I'm so bored. And I remember the Super Bowl was on. I was like, I've never watched a Super Bowl in my life. Never a whole Super Bowl. I I fell asleep in the commercials. I was so pissed off at myself. I watched the Oscars. I thought, God. And uh, I remember all that was going on around that time. But, uh, yeah, it was just so weird to me that they would take us out. What did we get, like? We got to go to the gym and, and maybe the grocery store, right? The gym and the grocery store was it. But if they didn't need us for anything, you're right. We would be in our room for hours and hours at a time. No phone, no laptop, only TV. Yeah, yeah, just TV. That's right. And uh, at some point, I don't know if it was real, my TV stopped working at some point. I oh, remember. God. Did they do this on purpose? Yeah, right. Did they shut it um, off? What the hell? Dude, I'm looking out the window with an escape plan. Hold on a minute. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, hold on one minute. Let me get this thing plugged up before we take, end up take your time. Up. While while he's doing that, I'm going to take this opportunity to uh, plug stuff. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, there are a ton of ways you can support. Many of which are free. You can, of course, subscribe on your podcast provider of preference by going to the toughtalkpod.com. You can follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all at the Tough Talk Pod. You can go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review, which really does help get more eyes and ears on the show. If you'd like to support monetarily, you can sign up for the Money Talks tier at patreon.com slash Kirsch to get access to early and ad-free episodes, full-length bonus episodes, exclusive content, and a whole lot more. And if you want to advertise, shoot an email to aj.kirsch at hotmail.com and we'll get the conversation going. Boom, look at that. Plugs are done, and Ryan looks like he is all set 
half halfway ready. Half, yeah. Halfway ready. That's cool. Let's yeah. see what else can I plug. You can follow me on all things social media. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Oh god. There's Mortal oh, Kombat, Three Stooges, RoboCop, and oh, man. VHS. <laughs> oh, dude, you got to see my VHS wall. Hold on a minute. I'll show you. Okay. Uh, anyway, follow me on all things social media. It's all at AJ Kirsch. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And look at all the VHSs. Oh, my God. You have so many VHS tapes. Oh, man. You can't win. Is it? Or to ceiling VHSs. I love it. Dude, I'm telling you. I mean, if it ain't broke, what the hell is that thing? No shit. What's that? <laughs> Put your flashlight away, bro. What was that? Oh, I have no idea. I'm trying to get this whole <laughs> thing set up. I did not plan on having to use the phone today. I had a hell of oh, a Hey, that's okay. We're making it work. We're making it work. Yeah, we are. Always. Always. Oh, so are you, are you like, are you stockpiling VHSs? Do you just prefer that format? No, man, I've always, like, one thing. I love ACDC, Me too. VHSs, and horror movies from like 1992 and before. Okay. And that's that's Why my 92 life. specifically? Was that like a, was that when shit just started getting really good? Or was Yeah, it- like, I think there was that great, like, for some reason after 92, you had a lot of like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, but a lot of those like, like when Lionsgate came out, like those independent, random, which they're very artistic, but they just weren't like, they weren't like big budget Friday the 13th. You know what I right, mean? Like, right. and then, and then you ran into like the, the, the screams and cabin fevers and stuff like that, which is okay. I like them. I love them, but I just, you know what it is? It's nostalgia. Like, yeah, I'm telling you late eighties, like between the wrestling, the music and, uh, and VH, I live it, man. I love right. it. Like, I mean, that is, that is your gimmick. That's who diamond steel is. He is, he is the eighties rock personified. Yeah, it's what I grew up. I mean, it just, it's all, it makes me happy. It's, right. I mean, it's my happy place. So, and like, and there is something to be said now, especially now with that nostalgia, with the music, the fashion, and the wrestling. That's when wrestling was not just larger than life with Hogan and Warrior and Savage and all these amazing characters, but it was yeah. also when people our age believed in it. Really that's right. believed in it. And I think that's part perhaps the biggest part of the magic and mysticism of that era of wrestling it's because it's when we thought it was real. That's right. It was, it was like an innocent time, you know, like you said, and people's belief in it made it, um, made it what it was, you right. know, made it, it, it like fed the energy of it. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, it's just uh, nothing wrong with the world now. I mean, I'm not going to knock it, but I just, back then it was, everything was, I don't know. It came from like an organic place. I think it, it yeah. was, it was, you know, people, they, you know, it, it was like magic. They like, even if, even if they didn't buy in a hundred percent and they assumed it was bullshit, they bought a ticket wanting to believe. And yeah. they were like, you know, and, and I don't know what the reasoning is now for some people to go, if they just want to point and laugh or like, you know, I don't think, I, I don't think that's gone though. I think people still want to find, still want to buy a ticket to believe they I do just, i some people i think wrestling fans in particular want to know so much about what happens in wrestling that it kind of ruins some of the magic for them and they, so it's they, like you know i remember you know when when the internet was coming out which was fucking dating myself to say that but like 
you know, people were getting upset that people were posting spoilers for Monday Night Raw when it was live one week and then the next week was taped the following day. And it's like, you don't have to go online and read the spoilers. But if you're a passionate wrestling fan, you want to know what happened. And oftentimes, curiosity and impatience gets the better of you. So, like, I still think it doesn't happen as frequently nowadays, but there are still moments when pro wrestling does fill you with that same magic and childlike mysticism. But when you get in as deep as you and I are, and as a lot of wrestling fans are, even if they've never stepped foot in the ring, it's hard to recreate that. It's hard to recreate the magic of when it was, of when we didn't know as much about it. Yeah. Yeah, Um, that's right. It is. It's, um, but you know, and the other, it it is a kind of a world of, it, it just, uh, raises the bar for you to you know to do something different or out of the That's box right. you know because yes it's been done but you're like okay have i done it? no how how would i do it I, you know and that's that's another thing that these guys do get hired by if you're fortunate enough to have a big company you know underneath you as a platform that's saying hey go we, we believe in you then you're like i have something to offer that nobody's had before that or nobody does right now so just be you you know yeah. do what it, it's it's really not that hard. Yeah, but going back to you know, tough enough when we're going into an environment like that, you're like, what do they want? What do, I'm like, who are they? Right you know, now, and they, yeah. I'm learning the deeper I get into this podcast. They were not just the trainers; they were Shed Media and USA Network and WWE, and like, um, you know, they they're not just they weren't just looking for good wrestlers. They were looking for people who were going to make for good television, but. Hearing from Eric Van Wagenen, the executive producer who worked incredibly closely with Steve the entire time, Steve was looking for personalities who could be on a WWE stage and draw money. And that was, I mean, you had everybody looking for different things. And that's one of the reasons why it was just so, it was such a trip to experience that thing beginning to end because it was pro wrestling, which already has a ton of questions about what's real and what's not. You got reality TV, which already has a ton of questions about what's real and what's not. And they're looking for people who can like, it's like a Venn diagram who can fit enough of these different circles to make for some, some compelling television, which they definitely got. But what was your mindset once you were like, I want to hear about the moment you found out you were going to be on the show. But once that happened, what was your mindset going into it? Were you thinking like, I want to be the best wrestler I can? Were you thinking I need to amp up my personality for TV? Were you concerned with the legitimacy of the competition side of the show? What was going on? It was, I was, I think the biggest thing, like a lot of us make the mistake of being in, you know, uh, peak wrestler, physical condition mode, whatever, like, you know, that's all you think about. Cause that's, but what we were drawn to as kids or, or as adult fans or whatever was the personality that went along with that character right. that it was a genuine, it was a complete package, you know, and that's the thing that sold tickets. So, you know, in hindsight now, now going in there, I was like, all right, I'm going to just, I was felt confident as ever. I felt great. It wasn't until walking in there, um, maybe being a little bit, uh, we, we were all young, you know, like, right. And, and, I, and, uh, you know, going in there, you're not, you don't, you could say you're thick skinned all day long, but you're really not going to be, 
you know. And not when you're face to face with Steve Austin, you're not. <laughs> no, no, hell no. Or Bill, trust me. Yeah, Bill. I mean, any of them really. And uh, and they, but it just caught me so far out in like left field. Like no, no different than like if you're dating some some, you know, I've had my fair share of them like dating a girl and they just say something so far out there like what the fuck was that <laughs> like you can't even react to it yeah and this shit's going on but these guys are supposed to at the time you're thinking like gotta be respectful i gotta learn from them and some something just off the wall like the skin mark it just it just came comes out of absolutely nowhere and you're like what the fuck's that right you know? <laughs> trying you to bury me I, I mean i had like nothing to say i was like did i deserve that did i earn it so now i was trying to you know, be humble enough to be like, well, I, I, maybe I did something, maybe I I got something proven to do, but, um, but in hindsight that you should never let all those little things are tests to see, okay, can we break this person down? Can we get to them to where they're not going to shine through like they should? Cause what happens when you're wrestling shit goes wrong. It's not right. And then all of a sudden there's a character that is way out here goes down to this because they're scared and nervous and un- unsure. Right. And that doesn't that translate on a television, you know, I mean, think if think about it. If Undertaker, the amount of times shit went wrong, went from Undertaker to you know normal dude Dame Mark from right. Texas or whatever, you know it, that wouldn't work. You know, so uh, I assume that. I mean, that's my take on it. But yeah, but of course, the time you're going. So if I could go back and and not let that shit rattle me, you know, I think we all would do right. A different story. I agree. But, I agree. Um, and since, since you brought it up, let's get into it a little bit. Skid marks, um, probably the least flattering name, nickname that anybody got on the show. Uh, oh, it was. I, bu- I believe it was Booker who gave it to you. No, it was, uh, Bill. It was Bill. Bill, Bill. Oh, okay. I remembered incorrectly was, then. Um, I don't, I'd have to watch that season back to see how the way, course any reality person is going to tell you they're a victim of the edit you know but like i have to see how it was edited or portrayed I, i'm pretty sure the first time it was mentioned on the show was when we were doing our roles in the ring yeah like i remember bill had me do like i couldn't even tell you how long it was at least two or three minutes of them and then and then of course they pick up the filming where you know where it's going right but i'm pretty sure that's where they said skid mark but really we're i'm pretty sure it was mentioned before that or and or when I got in the ring, he said it and I, and it like threw me off so bad. There's no way I was going to do anything worth a shit anyway, you know, yeah. and no pun intended, but <laughs> well, um, well done. So, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it's just funny the way that works. It was definitely Bill. And I remember when I was rolling, he, he said it and, uh, and, uh, but it, you know, I, it sounds stupid, but perspective, like the, the best thing was even at the time I'm thinking, I've got two years of doing this. I don't, I don't need to be, you know, like, I'm not saying I know by any means anything, but I'm not an idiot. Like I can bump it. But point is, if you knew enough, like you'd be out there shining kind of like that situation with Matt, when he had the opportunity to kind of do something, he just kind of coasted, you know, cause he didn't, you know, he's trying to be nice. Humble. And yeah. Yeah. And he's trying to be giving. Yeah. 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 And, um, what is it? Can't do it. Hey, <laughs> cat's trying to climb the wall. <laughs> uh, but um, no, I mean, he's never done that. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, you you uh, did it rattle you when it happened? Yeah, exactly. It was. I mean, it did, and, and I, I never was quite 
okay after that. You know, that should have just been a little testing thing. And, and I really like, like Steve said, I should have been like, shove that up your ass. I don't want that, you know? Right. But, but you want to be the good soldier. You want to show respect yeah. to your trainers. You know, by today's standards, I could easily say it with conviction, but then there would have been no conviction in me saying, I could have said it, but I wouldn't have. Cause I would have been unsure. I'd be like, maybe did I deserve that? Now I could tell you, fuck no, I didn't deserve that. Right. But, right. Um, but you don't know at the time and you know, uh, but it, man, that, that was like day one. And from that point on, I was like a, a shell, you know, you're just like everything you do, but you know, again, perspective, you know, they, you look at it and go, okay, well take that two years and forget about, it. I don't care if I'd been in a ring or trained or had a couple little bumps and bruises and, whatever, but they set the bar so low. I think for, you know, for a lot of us where it's like, okay, these guys are rookies. We, we actually had a world of opportunity because we only have to go as up from there. If we did, if you didn't win the show, right. you know, and people are going to see you down the road and be like, man, that's that guy. He's, he's really good. Cause they didn't see you in that light on, on, you know, the way it was presented. So, right. And also, they, I mean, they had people on the show who had zero or next to zero wrestling experience. And so, you know, Rima, Ariane, Jeremiah had been in the ring like twice. Um, so it's like they had people who were really starting from nothing. And so I feel like as trainers who were kind of brought up in that old school mentality, like I think they were trying to cram, you know, years worth of dues into several weeks. I mean, they didn't have, a lot, of, they didn't have a lot of time to do it. No, that, and that's good. They had, they had a good group of people you know, the, the trainers to put their heads together and make it happen. And that's, they did, they did an amazing job for a short amount of time, but it, it, man, it was a, it's like a tornado for us to go through, you know, God, it was, it was, I, I mean, I tell, and it's funny because the past 10 years have about been just as fast, but, but going through that, that I feel like that was the jump start to like my real life, you right. know, and, right. and it was like, I'll, I'll be to this day, I'll be telling somebody, they'll ask me something about tough enough, something they, I, you know, something they saw in an episode when they watched on the network or whatever, something like a wrestler in the car with me or a fan yeah. or something. And, uh, and I'll be trying to explain something and then I'll have this memory pop out out of nowhere that I never, re it all went so fast in like a few week period that we yeah. were like, and, and then not to mention the, like going to raw and the WrestleMania stuff and like right. all that, those opportunities, uh, man, it all like just big. It was like a tornado of things. Just, it was, you know. it was, it was a lot. It was quick. We moved through the competition quickly. Like you said, it was, uh, WrestleMania. We were in the ring the night after WrestleMania. We were at the finale in June when Andy was crowned the winner. And there's, there are, there are memories that are, you know, like I'm, Again, I'm, I'm just stoked to be doing this because so many memories are getting dusted off. And it's like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot. Like, actually, of all people, it was uh, Zachy who brought this up when he mentioned that you had the guitar at the house and you wrote that song that was like, tough enough, tough enough. And you were just playing it around the house, like, from time to time. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Yeah. Shit. That was me, wasn't it? <laughs> that was you. I mean, nobody else would have been doing it. Oh, yeah, man. I just remember, like, you, you would have this, like, acoustic guitar just be rocking out from time to time. Tough enough, tough enough. I think you and Matt were singing it at some point. Yeah, we were. Yeah, I remember that. 
<laughs> I totally forgot about that till now. Right. We did have some fun there. That was we cool. did. We did. We had a, we had a lot of good times there. Um. I, so I'm, I I don't want to go go. On a side note about Eric, who was I? I'd never really. I saw you posting about the original trainer that they had selected. Yeah. What? Who? who did you? Did you uh, put that out there yet? Or did well, they... the episode is out that people can check that out on. And so uh, I'm happy to say it here because by the time this air, I've got like three or four interviews in the bank and scheduled already. So it's like uh-huh. in the can rather. So it's like that episode will be kind of a month old by the time this comes out. So I don't mind saying the original host for our season was supposed to be Chris Jericho. Um, oh, okay. Who would have who became the host on the following season of Tough Enough, which was like 2016 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but he signed with Dancing with the Stars and had Got to it. at that point, you know, remove himself from Tough Enough. But I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin, not too shabby. I, I think Steve, I mean, I, I wouldn't take everything happens for a reason. I wouldn't right. take it back to the world. Um the uh <sighs> I was going to say, um, they, uh, was it th- their season? I think they were on the network, right? I just think the- at that time they were on the network. I don't think it was televised. This is it, just a side note, but like, yeah. you know, when they got the network, that was one thing, uh, like you were asking about the difference between like training at FCW and then going back when the performance center up and going, I think I went back for two tryouts after that. Okay. Center. And like the different vibe, but at that point, the network had started going, you know, that kind of stuff. And as much as I think it was a great thing, you know, but at the same time, it's like people that aren't general wrestling fans aren't going to pay for a network subscription. Right. You know, and I remember when it came out, I'm pretty sure the one thing they kept error was uh, Divas was on like maybe on A&E or, or E-Network. I think or something it was on like E, that. yeah. On E. And uh, when I would, you know, as the years went on and people would. Oh, you're a wrestler. Oh, hey, you you look familiar. I know you, you know, um, and you talk to him and then he realized, okay, this person doesn't know anything about wrestling. And he'd be like, you know what I really like is that Divas show. That's really good. And it's hitting me that these people are bigger celebrities than the wrestlers, or it's reaching a bigger audience because now they're not on a network television anymore. And right. and and uh I when um I'd been contacted about like just local like little comic cons and things about doing like the tough enough thing or you know, people at like conventions or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I, I, uh, I think once that, um, that there's a guy named like a ZZ, was he on that? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. He was like the, the Gator guy or Florida guy or something. Yeah. Yeah. He was. And then, um, there was a handful of them, but like, I met a couple of them in the process and they were like, uh, they said they didn't really, I asked them about like their exposure and how things changed. They're like, not really much. I got to thinking how fortunate we were because being on a major network and I, I'm pretty sure ours, we ran on like GSN and MTV and stuff like that too. Didn't it? So, I mean, it was that we were like that last, aside from divas, like the last show to really be on a major yeah. network deal. And uh, uh, I, I feel like that reaches so many more people outside of wrestling, which is really how you, What's the whole, I mean, to me, the whole goal in this whole thing is if you really do a good job and get, get over and like, you know, you want to use whatever your message is like as an entertainer to become a household name and inspire people or kids or whatever, like the best way to do that's through a network platform, not 
and a niche audience, you right, know. Right. So yeah. a side note, but it, it just kind of I felt bad for those guys because it's like it's cool, but you're I mean, it's like it'd been really cool if you could have been on like primetime TV when people were, oh, this oh, this guy, oh, he's trying to be a wrestler. Let me watch this, you know. Right, right. Um let I want to touch on uh the skid marks thing one more time because <laughs> but 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 that's we'll move on after that because we still have a lot to get to. But you I appreciate you going into such detail about how it affected you during the time of the show because you know it, it rattled your confidence, it was hard for you to kind of perform at your best after that, even though you you still managed to to hang around for quite some time. How does the skid marks thing, how did it affect you immediately after Tough Enough when you started taking indie bookings? And how do you feel about it today? It's uh, immediately after people wanted to book me as that. Oh, you know? and, and I was like, man, you know, I wouldn't, I never said it was a, like, I never took a booking under it. Um, but I remember at one point I, uh, I kind of, uh, I didn't really understand how to work it or whatever. And I remember Tracy and certain people like with that old school mentality, like that's your money, you know, work it. You know what I mean? Like that's their, their mindset. But the problem was that's where you were talking about the difference between our generation and where the, that business, that business mindset was going and that generation. And I remember I kind of, for a little while was like making a joke of it and just kind of being lighthearted and, stuff and i got a message from bill and he's like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) whoa i and i was like what and he's like cut that shit out or something like that he was he was basically like he's like why would you embrace a name that throws you under the bus Mm. and and you know it does nothing for you basically and i was like man I, i guess you're right you know but i i was but from the minute, like in the beginning of the show, I mean, rattled and a little bit less confidence in that. But I, on top of everything, I was just confused. I was, I spent that whole show confused because yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us did. But um, I've never been real good at sorting out things. Like when, like I said, when somebody comes from left field at you, you're, I, that's my first reaction as a person. I just get confused. So you learn over time, like this past 10 years to kind of how to handle those things when they're thrown at you and kind of, you know, get them, battle them off there, you know, right. Roll off. But so, so that was then, um, uh, like I said, people tried booking it cause they thought it would make money, but it just wasn't in good taste to do. And, um, and then, uh, now, uh, I'll get the occasional smart ass fan that says it no matter how hard I try. Yeah. And the best thing in the world is just don't put it over. I don't react. I don't acknowledge it. No I sell it. And I remember one person, I said, it's really nice that you're still living 10 years ago. Why don't you go back there when you had something going for you and come back and see me now? Nice. <laughs> so, I mean, I've done, I'm like, one guy, I was like, I'm, I, it bothered me for a long time. And I got thinking about, man, I've done movies, commercials, like work for other companies, you know, like more shit than I can count in 10 years since then. That's something right. I don't even, that's not me, you know? So. Glad you're still living there. Right, right. <laughs> but sounds kind of shitty, but, you know, it, it is what it is. So. It's true, though. If you get some smart-ass fan who's, like, trying to, you know, rub your nose in it or, like, 
refer to it in a way that's just mean or like trying to get a, you know, trying to just, if they're a dick about it, then you have every reason to offer up that response. Like that's, and you're not even being, you're not like, well, fuck you then. You know what I mean? But you're still being like, Hey, look, you can, you can live in that if you want, but like we, we've moved on at this point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, is what it is. So. Well, uh, again, I appreciate you uh, diving into that. And um, you mentioned you were confused a lot on the show. Can you get into some of those things that just confused you? Um, like, I, I I mean, it, it could have been any number of things, right? Because there were so many moving parts of that show. There were field trips. There was training. There was eliminations. But, like, what? where was some of or the main source of the confusion for you? Well, first of all... Uh... I was confused on how to even carry myself like around that, you know, because never been to WWE for a dark match at that point. I'd never been around anything. It was like you went from little underground indie, like, I mean, maybe 50 person shows to that, you know, and you're going like, it was so surreal. So there's that moment that you take it in and you go, okay, this is, this is going to be my job. This is my career. This, I'm not a fan. Like this is, so I never really had as, as much as nice as it would have been to have. I never really had like a starstruck moment with Austin or anything. I was so overwhelmed that it was like, okay, this guy is kind of he's He's my boss right now, you know? And it's like, and I mean, I respect him and, and all that. And, uh, and now I can look back and be like, God, he was a badass, you know, yeah. watching it, stuff, yeah. you know? Or he is, not was, is, but um, he's more badass than ever. Yeah. But, uh, but so, so that was one thing. And then, then you get into, uh, like you were talking about the, the, the production end of it. Like, first of all, I'm, I'm sure they did a lot of good cop, bad cop and um, like producers and stuff. And then also kind of pinning people against each other and, you know, kind of like a sixth sense thing or whatever but like i know a lot like sometimes like like zacky like we seemed fine in a lot of ways and they would kind of come but you know he did this or he was and it just didn't seem genuine when they said it i'm like are they plotting something but by they you mean the producers who would pull you aside for a quick confessional and for those who don't know the confessionals like the little side interviews like you know hey ryan uh what's going on with you how are you feeling about such and such Yes. Okay. Those things they get in your head and you go, okay, that, that didn't seem right. And then you think, and, and then they kind of make you think that it's coming from somewhere, whether it's from you or from that other person, then things are awkward. And then now in hindsight, you go back now, you go, okay, I just handle it. Like whatever, you know, right. you go through it. But at the time you're thinking, okay, like I remember for me, I was thinking, okay, if I play along, does that keep me on, you know, you, you think it's a legitimate competition, but the other side of you goes, something doesn't seem it's a reality show. So yeah. you're going, you're going like, okay, if I play along, does that keep me on here longer? Or if I go the minute I start, you know, it's like, we're what I started to feel like, like we were rats in a cage. Right. And, and as they, they predicted, if I move this marble or this food over here, he'll go here. But if you kind of didn't like, okay, does that mean I'm going to kind of get, you know, my, my time goes sooner, you know, thrown off the show or, you know, like all that was going through my head. Um, so the best thing I said to do at whatever point was just be in the moment and enjoy the people there and, yeah. uh, or, or don't enjoy them, whatever the case right. was. But, uh, 
uh, so that happened. And then there was one point that got really, this was, I don't know if you remember, but this was not in my character as a person ever to like, I like dating and stuff. I never really did a lot of it. Um, cause I was so driven like on doing what the music or wrestling. Right. So settled in with one that happened to wrestle. It was fun and it seemed like a good fit for the time, but I was by no means going to like marry that person. Right. Mm-hmm. In my head anyways, it was just, you know, so whatever reason they, I thought like my gimmick from the way I explained it to the production people and what they seemed interested in my life. They knew my mom was disabled uh, since I was a kid, you know, in a wheelchair, my brother was autistic, you know, and they seemed to really like interested in that, but they also knew that I had a girlfriend that wrestled and I lived with and they, you know, uh, they must've known that she'd gotten so far along or whatever. So I get there and they start kind of, they more focus on her, on the, on the girlfriend, you know, and I'm like, I'm here. I'm worried about here. I'm not worried about there. In what context are they more focused on her? They're just asking you more questions about her than what you're doing on the show. Yeah. Asking a lot of questions. And then, and then it gets to stuff that I, I'd never been a uh, jealous type or paranoid or a, I've never in my life had those feelings up, up to that. Point. So then they start, what do you think she's doing now? Like, you know, she couldn't hear from me for three weeks. Uh, and she didn't. And when they took our phones, I don't know for you, but for me, they didn't give me any warning. They just took it. Yep. They were like, Hey, we need your stuff in a box. Uh, uh, and we're, we're just going to stand in the doorway. If you can just, we need this list of things. And I'm like, okay. So, yeah. I mean, there was no, I didn't think to shoot a text out. So they, they start playing this against and, and it keeps going, going. Now I think at hindsight, I never even asked her about it, but I don't know if they called her and told her ahead of time, like, Hey, pretend like you don't know who he is, but you know, how you used, we used to get our phone calls like right. on, like once a week or every couple of days, I kept saying, I want to call my mom, you know, cause I, I, you know, being to this day, I still want to take my family on this ride. You know, yeah. my, my dream, like I'd been up, I remember seeing at a, uh, one of the, uh, dark, like the, uh, extra things I did or whatever in Tampa. I remember, uh, Ariane was there. She was at that point, she was doing the Funkadactyl thing and she'd right. been there you know, pretty well established there. And I remember seeing her, uh, walk around must've been close to her home or no, I'm sorry. It was in LA, I think. Uh, but either way it was in, it was near her home and she was walking around with, um, her mom and she introduced me to her mom and brother or somebody. And I remember, this is what I wanted. Like I mm. wanted to, and it kind of motivated me because I was like, I can do it. I just wanted to share that, share it with your right people that are closest to you take them on the ride. So anyways, that aside, they, uh, they're like, no, 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 you need to call your girlfriend. I bet she misses me. And they were so pushy about it. I was like, huh. how do you want to have her number memorized? Like, oh, we've got it. You wrote it down as an emergency contact. Okay. So I call. And I remember they had me call her. Um, I don't know if you remember, but our, our calls used to be at like a like dinner time, like a decent it was whatever. A little bit late in the evening. Yeah. It was a little bit later. But for me, I remember I'll never forget it, man. They they uh they were like, Oh, uh, we need to wait on yours. Uh uh, we've got uh something happened with somebody's and and, but it was like two or three hours. Like we had gone to bed at this point and they woke me up and had me go make my phone call. And I was like, like, I, th- I don't know if we'd fallen asleep yet. I don't think, but I know we were like lights out ready for, and it was like 11, 1130 or something, which would have been like one or 2 AM our time. And she answers and she's like, uh, who is this? And I mean, it was the most awkward five minute phone call. Me trying to explain who I was. And that wouldn't have been like her. And I, at first I was like, 
man, is she drunk? Is she, yeah. did, is she sad? I'm gone and like smoked a ton of weed or something. Like <laughs> what, I mean, what is going on here? Cause I didn't, yeah. I didn't know her that well, really. I didn't know what, like we, you know, it's been a couple months and it got in my head so bad with those questions and stuff like that. It started to make me think like, uh, like you said, they had to cram like a, a year's worth of dues into one thing. So was that something that they wanted to play up and be like, you're going to lose girlfriends. They're going to leave you for other people. They're going to whatever. Gonna and not I, get your drive or whatever it is. Yep. And I remember, uh, I heard like one other voice in the background. I was like, was that a guy? And like, I'm trying to, but they wouldn't accuse her of it, you know? And I'm, well, I'm like, what the fuck, you know? Oh and they were in my head. And I think the way it seemed now in hindsight, I'm pretty sure that they called and they were like, Hey, pretend you don't know who he is. Like we're going to play it up and he'll win if he does this or something like that. Because, because wow. she, it just, it was such a weird, weird thing. You yeah. Know? Did you yeah. ever ask her about that after you? I did. And she's like, uh, she said they, uh, she's like, oh yeah, they called me, but I never really, but I was like, oh, okay. And I just kind of played it off like I knew. And like, I, so I feel like they kind of tipped her off or whatever. And, I see. Uh, wow. But, it, isn't that weird? Like, that is weird. I mean, yeah. I can understand if they're asking you questions to try to like stir up some shit. Like, I don't know what she's doing. I hope she's okay. I hope she's not, you know, like obviously they're trying, they're reaching for something to just yeah. make it juicy. But man, the fact that they, the idea that they would call ahead and be like, Hey, we need you to do this for us to like make this a moment that, you know, leaves you, you know, sad or in disbelief or shocked or whatever it is. Like as if you hadn't already been through enough with that unfortunate nickname, like, yeah. Yeah, and she wouldn't have known any of that at that point. She's assuming right. it's good. She's, you know, and uh, yeah, so that was kind of a... a Very I, odd I, that they would wait until so late to call, too, because you're not going to get... I don't care who you're calling. You're not going to get a happy person at the other end of the phone if they're waking up, if you're waking them up with a phone call. Like, they're just not I mean, going to be thrilled. It's best if they had heard from me in five weeks or whatever, been at that point, hey. you know? Right. <laughs> you know, and it's like... Uh, and man, it was just a weird, uh, yeah, it was just a weird thing. And um, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I, I really feel like that's what was going on. Like, cause I remember, and I was so, they, who, I don't know if you remember like the, I'm sure you do, but the, the, the amount like meeting with the psychologists, like over and over and yes. they're like, Can, you know, and I'm like, man, that, that right there was a red flag. We should have been right there, but like, right. okay, this, this, I, do I, I mean, some of those questions, like when you look in the mirror, do you see yourself or do you see several people? Do you hear voices? Like, do you have suicidal thoughts? Like it was very thorough, very thorough, Man, alarmingly thorough. I, they should have put through that damn questionnaire after the show. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I was laughing because I remember um, that. You remember Meg? Um Sure. I interviewed her for the show, Meg Barry. She's, uh, she's, yeah. she's the, her episode would have already come out. So yeah, a couple episodes ago, I interviewed her. I need to catch up on all these two and listening to them now. I was waiting to, you had a good handful, like, a, but, uh, I, I listened to Ariane's a little, um, good. That was, it was just all, all good. It was so yeah. cool. But Zachy I, actually turned into a three-part episode and I'm looking forward to talking to you about stuff that he said, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool but yeah. you're saying uh let's see oh meg meg berry yeah Meg. um so she uh uh 
I remember she was the one, I don't know if she took everybody out after or if like she was just assigned for mine or whatever. But I remember when I got like, like, uh, you know, cut or whatever, eliminated, uh, she's like, okay, well, I got to take you out to a dinner make sure you're mentally okay to send back into the world. Right. <laughs> yeah. They, they, that was her. She, she, she gets into that in her episode. Um, I think hers is episode nine, I want to say. Um, but yeah, she gets into, she was the one that would be like waiting with the car, the SUV that had our bags in it, except the one that we would like roll down, wash out. Yeah. Thing, you know what I mean? They're like, we had, we had more shit than that. We just would roll down and carry on because that's how we got eliminated. They needed that visual of us, you know, packing our bag and going home. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Do you remember what you did? Did you like, where'd you go out to dinner? Um, and then I'm yeah. sure you just flew home the next day. Like all of us did. Yeah. I remember it was a Chinese place with an elephant. Uh, okay. It was really nice. It was really fancy place, man. Uh, nice. I mean, and, you deserve uh, it after a heartbreaking elimination from a reality show where you're chasing life, your fucking dream. dream. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then she even threw in a, threw in a bonus uh, In-N-Out burger before I left for the airport. Nice. You have to get In-N-Out burger before you leave. What'd you think? Like, so- Did it live up to your expectations? Yes. Yeah, nice. totally. Yeah. I'm, I think I'd had one. My sister uh, lives in LA, and I think I had, like probably 10 years prior to that, when I was younger visiting, I had one and I've been thinking about it ever since I told her, I said, man, I don't remember if it's as good as, but everybody says it is. And I, yeah. I don't remember. She said, Oh, you need, you it. know, so. I, I honestly to just go off on a little sidetrack here. I think in and out's kind of overrated. I don't think yeah. I don't, I am way more. I, I did some, um, some shows with MLW, uh, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago or so. And, uh, I tried Whataburger for the first time when I was in Dallas what a burger yeah. is bomb. I oh, love what a burger. I put what a burger over in and out any day. Really? I'm saying we've yeah. got one of those out here. I'll have to try that. And see. It's good. It's yeah, really okay. good. I feel like you get a lot of burger for your money. The fries are like, they're not quite as good as McDonald's fries, but they're like that close. They're like really close to McDonald's fries. Cause in and out fries fucking suck. They they're miserable. I know they're like fresh cut and they do it right in front of you and everything. But if I'm getting fast food fries, I want whatever crack they put in McDonald's fries because McDonald's yeah. fries are amazing and Whataburger fries are like that close, but you get a lot of burger for your money. So sorry, everybody on the West Coast who feels some type of allegiance to In-N-Out. Whataburger is better than In-N-Out, in my opinion. <laughs> but I love Nickelback, so what the fuck do I know? Oh, I love I love your your, your uh, love for Nickelback. <laughs> Thanks, man. Shameless. I say, man, I'll bob my head to that any day. I love, man, they, they know what they're doing. They the do. Hooks. They're they're yeah. laughing all the way to the bank. Yes, they are. As um, they should. As they should be. Exactly. All right. Let's get back to tough enough. Um, so you 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 had a nice. What, let's see. We jumped for, ahead to when you were eliminated. Let's go back to when you were like still just kind of struggling. I guess you you had this rough nickname. You're not really sure what to make of this phone call with your girlfriend at the time. Um, were there any other? moments or or tr- perhaps triumphs for you on the show before we get into this kind of feud that was building between you and Zachy? Um, like you said, moments prior to it? Moments, just things that stuck out, fun stories, um, you know, either like at dinner or, you know, w- what did you do on your day off? Let's, let's start there. Did you, did you do anything in particular when we had that day off early on in the show? I'm trying to remember. Uh, it may not have been anything. I mean, we didn't. We still didn't have our phones. We didn't have TV. 
the only thing we could watch was wrestling and um you know we just i think the idea was just to rest up and stretch and and just to try to stay as loose as we can but yeah, and no it's sure. totally okay too if nothing else is coming to mind i'm pretty sure it was the I know we worked out a lot at the gym. Right. Uh, I think we went on a walk that that off day because it was just such a pretty, you know, place. Um, yeah. We were kind of, it was weird because we were kind of limited on where we could go. You know, he's like, had to report, but like, hey, I'm going out here. I want to say I hit a hot, the hot tub was nice. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, really, was- really beautiful property. For those who are curious, you can look it up online. It's called the Hummingbird Nest Ranch in Simi Valley, oh, really? California. Yeah, there's a, there's a website you can go to with like a virtual tour. It's weird. Like I, I, I Googled it and was able to find it. And I'm like, Oh my God, like all these memories came flooding back. So, oh, so wow. go out of your way to Google it. You, you might, you know, who knows what memories you'll dust off, but hummingbird nest ranch, uh, wow. just Google it and it'll, it'll pop up. Okay. I'll check it out for sure. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, I remember dinner, um, with, uh, with Cena, right. When he came. Yep. yep. And then, uh, and uh, I remember that now particular, I think the funnest, I got to say, it was like our first night, but the funnest night was that with the crown Royal and Luke. Yeah. And, oh, uh, everybody was doing stone cold impressions. <laughs> was, and I, I think Luke cut a promo on me as me. And then I had to cut one on him as him. All I know is. <laughs> I, I totally forgot up. about that. That definitely I, happened. I was, <laughs> I was so fed up with him at that point already that I, I think I downed. You know, I was I was cutting a promo on him as him, so naturally I had to drink Crown Royal as I was being him. Yeah, and I you were I like drank. slugging it down too. Yeah, it was Man. like half, half. I mean, at least a half bottle in like a one minute period. Oh I mean, my it was. God. I actually, it's so funny you mentioned that because oh. now I can like see it happening, and I'm I remember thinking like, oh my god, he's gonna feel like shit tomorrow, and like I don't know what you're association with alcohol was but luke definitely established that he's like he was like the party animal of the house so like he was he was i don't think he was drinking all that much but i saw you drinking that crown and i was like oh shit he does he know we have to like work out or do shit tomorrow yeah <laughs> that was awesome um, at that point i just was in the moment fuck it i didn't yeah, care. yeah. He, man uh but it was uh that was fun that was that was a really fun i remember seeing it, he goes well, he goes, uh, he goes, they say you got to leave on a high note. Something about wrestling's taught me always leave on a high note. It ain't getting any higher than that. So see you guys. <laughs> That's right. And, and and then this is no joke. Like two years later, I'd seen him a couple times here and there, but like two years later, I run into him at uh, Cena, you like, mean? Cena, yeah, yeah. One of the uh, Raws or something is a dark match. And it was, I mean, it, man, it was in somewhere totally unrelated. It was like. I wish I could write. I want to say it was uh, Indianapolis or something like that. And maybe Chicago. And he's like, ah, he goes, how you holding up with that nickname? And I was like, like, he didn't, he didn't miss a beat. He is the cool. He's always been like, he just remembers, you know? Right. And uh, I was like, good. He's like, you know, I was never a crown Royal man before that night. You changed me. What? You changed me. <laughs> you changed That's me. Awesome. I'm a changed man after that night. Yeah, but he just he never forgot that. It was so funny, and that's <laughs> and then what's even sadder is the first thing he thinks when he sees me. I'm like, great. <laughs> yeah, it it definitely stuck. 
Um, that's really cool though, that, that he, with everything he has going on, remembered that moment, remembered you and like shared a little moment with you. Like that's, that's really cool. Um, I don't know if you, and forgive like the gratuitous plug. I don't know if you listened to the episode that I did with Luke, which is episode three. I think you would be fascinated to hear it because the Luke that we experienced on the show is like the a hundred percent antithesis of who Luke is in real life. So yeah. if curiosity gets the best of you, check it out. But also Eric Van Wagen and the executive producer told a story on episode eight, I think was, was the number um, about Steve Austin on the way back from some night of shooting. I think it was in San Diego, that thing at SmackDown where we had to like pick up confetti and clean uh-huh. up the arena. They were on their way back and see. Uh, <laughs> Cena or Steve asks the drive. Steve is with Eric. They ask the driver to pull over. They stop at Cena's bus or trailer or wherever he was after raw. Steve goes in, comes out with a trash bag full of beer and two jars of clear liquid. So you may have changed John Cena to become a crown Royal guy, but apparently before that he was a moonshine guy. Steve, oh, yeah. Steve picked up two jars of moonshine from John Cena's trailer and drank Eric Van Wagenen under the car. It was really funny to hear that. But the, the fact yeah. that Cena would remember all that and like two, two years later have that moment with you is just really cool. It speaks to a lot about who Cena is. Yeah, it is. And he, he just, I always tell people he's like a, uh, I always say he's like a grown up Boy Scout. Like that's, I mean, he's <laughs> yes. just. I mean, but it's really who he is. And that, right. again, that's, that's something, whatever's in there or that's him, like it conveys to everything else out and PE people can hate him for it or they can love him for it, but it is what it is. And that's, that's a, you're getting a pretty authentic version of who that guy is. And right. You know, it's, it's kind of a special quality. So it is, I think it's one of the reasons he's so successful and, and, you know, obviously one of the, Arguably the best franchise player WWE has ever had. When you look at longevity, when you look at a squeaky clean image, when you're looking at a representative of the company. Yeah. yeah. One could argue. One could argue Cena belongs on that Mount Rushmore of, of WWE, like, you know, the person at the top of the heap. For sure. I mean, I agree. And he's, he's, he's always had that first one there, last one to leave. Right. Yeah. You know. And it's just who he is, you know. Right. Also, lucky for him, he gets to like wrestle in street clothes. He doesn't need to like yeah. lace up boots or put on tights or anything. So of course he's gonna show up in his jorts and t-shirt. It's comfortable as fuck. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Man, couldn't no wonder he's so happy. He's got yeah. a mate. I'd right. show up on time too. Right. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about this kind of feud that was uh, was brewing I'm between. So- What's that? Uh, on a side note, yeah, beats the hell out of squeezing my ass into skinny jeans. It takes <laughs> right. See, but I got the worst of two. I got tights combined with real clothes. I'm going like, man, I oh, see how testicular torsion happens now. Oh my this god! Thing. Yeah, make sure you let those things breathe, man. <laughs> god, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Zachy confessed on one of his three episodes because he was like, he and I just like hit it off and and had a good time catching up, but we. It took three full episodes to get Zachy's entire story. Uh, by the way, I'm not mad if you and I like dr- bring this to a close at some point, not necessarily anytime soon. I don't want to keep you up too late. I'm on the West Coast. You're on Central Time. But I don't mind doing a round two if the conversation calls for it and if you're up to it. But if not, yeah. that's also totally cool. I was going to suggest that I would do is, is uh, 
we, I think we should. Yeah. I, okay, I'm great. I mean, I would like if, to. if we have more to cover and, or even better, if you, I mean, if we have more to cover, I didn't not necessarily even better, but in addition to, if you go back and listen to some of the episodes and that raises like questions or stories or yeah. things like that, then let's by all means unpack these even further. Yeah. Um, let's yeah. Cause now, especially between that going back and watching it now, you know, another reason is you've gotten my memory jogged a little bit. I was really trying to think about this today going like, man, I wish I, like I told you, you, you have these memories and things that don't come up to a conversation. You go, right. Yeah. And then, then you, but the problem is the conversation's all over the place. And you're like, ah, you know, I know, but that, that's to... part of the fun of it though. That's why I'm like, I don't fucking know what I'm going to talk about. We're just going to start by catching up with, Hey, what have you been up to over the last decade and seeing where it goes? It just makes for a more organic conversation. Yes. Um, so you, you and Zachy, Zachy was at a point where he, he was like, he, he picked up on the game, the reality show game pretty quick. Like yeah, he, he, was, did. He, he was, he was not shy about saying shit, stirring shit up. And he knew that he wanted to, that it would it'd be good for him for his longevity on the show. If he was one of the people that was like causing drama so that if he did get on the chopping block, then whoever's in the ears of the trainers can be like, you know, he's really good TV. So we're not sure we would like to see him go yet. But everything that I've heard has led me to believe that Steve Austin ultimately made the final call. It was, it was always his call. What's that? That, that surprises me. Like, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a relief to hear because, uh, because you would think when, especially in hindsight, you're going, okay, I see how this stuff worked or whatever. But if he was the one making decisions and stuff, it yeah. was, uh, but I don't yeah. think that was the case for declaring Andy the winner. Um, like yeah. there, there was, you know, some controversial shit about Luke that came out and like doing some customs wrestling that yeah. I think yeah. WWE was not quick to, you know, want that on the winner of tough enough. So, and if you look, I mean, also if you look at his track record, like Luke just killed it. He really did. There's no way around it. He fucking killed it the whole time. I mean, it's funny. I say there's no way around it because I'm like, give the devil his due, but he's a nice fucking guy. He really is. But he came in with a very cerebral game plan and pulled it off. So my first thought of Luke is still as that smarmy, smart ass heel. Um, But Zachy, Zachy was trying to stir shit up. He was actually, he was trying to stir shit up with the girls and I forget why at the moment, but he, he wanted to pick a fight with somebody else. And so he was actually considering me, he was kind of leaving some bait like that. I was that he wanted me to like pick up and I just never did. I'm just not a confrontational person. Yeah. Um, so he set his sights on you. And I think if you going back to that dinner with Cena, when he, Cena was asking everybody, um, so who do you like least in the house? And then Zachy said you. Do you remember that? Uh, I do now. Yeah. Okay. That was another point of confusion. That was, I said, man, I thought this guy was cool. Yeah. You know? You're like, what did I do to him? I said, man, everybody I meet that I like hates me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. So how it hurts. And bringing this up just now, do you happen to remember, like, can you elaborate on how that made you feel at the time? Because this was... You know, you were you you had that nickname at this point, so you're already kind of rattled. So I'm sure this didn't exactly do much to add to your confidence at the time. Well, it it, it uh, you know, first of all, like the whole, I mean, it, it came real. Like uh, I always heard over and over in my life, kindness people take kindness for weakness. You know, right. so immediately you're like, 
you know, dealing with that. And, and I've always been so overly nice to people, you know, giving them a chance or, you know, cause who am I to judge? You, you know, right. like I might not like you, but I, you know, just cause that doesn't mean you're any worse than me, but then it's a real easy. I'm so again, you know, here I'm kind of like, I was kind of buddy, buddy with Zach. Yep. I mean, it only been a couple of days, but we, we seemed like we hit it off. Okay. And then he said that and I was like, I mean, came out of left field and it almost seemed like a, a producer. It seemed so un natural that it kind of went you know confused i was confused again you know um not figuring out at that point that he was catching on the reality show game you know and all that i kind of figured that later because he i think he pulled me aside a couple times like hey he's like we gotta we don't get along for a reason you know what i mean like he was kind of cryptic about it i said i don't (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. But, so he, he tried to smarten you up a little bit when, he did, yeah. you know, in a, during a private moment, I guess, which were very few and far between, by the no, way. They, like we I mean, we yeah. could not escape the cameras, the staff. I mean, nothing, really. Nothing. No, no. It, it's just the whole thing's designed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Zachy's, Zachy's setting up this, this feud, air quotes, with you. Um, and you're not, you're not even sure why. It eventually leads to one of the bottom threes where you two had to, I think this was, oh God, I'm going to botch this probably. Do you remember what week or what episode this was when you two ended up in the bottom three? I couldn't tell you. I want to say. I want to guess like four. four. Yeah. Four. I, I want to guess four. four. Cause at that point, yeah. Ariane had gone home. Matt had gone home. I think. I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you were Michelle. Michelle Michelle. had gone home, right? Because she she wanted to be with her daughter, so she she quit. And then was was this then because she quit? I don't remember if there was an elimination or a bottom three or not. But was this the first or second time that you were in the bottom three? Because I think you were sent home your third time. It was like three strikes and you're out. This was the second time. Okay. Okay. Um, Well, then before we get to the promo off. I'd like to go back to your first time in the bottom three. And if you can tell me about like what was leading up to that point and how were you feeling about your performance going into that first bottom three? Because I know, I mean, speaking for myself and I'm sure this happened for you as well. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm willing to guess when Steve called your name at the end of training or at the end of the skills challenge to step forward, to let you know that you were going to be in the bottom three, I don't know about you, but my heart dropped into my asshole. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Mine, mine went down and out. And I had to go find it later. After <laughs> I had I made to it. go find it. <laughs> Fucking, I, I had to chase I mean, it down, it was, down a parking lot. Chased out, dust off the shit, man. It was, <laughs> it was. That thing went. I, I still don't know if I got. I don't know if I got the right one back. To be oh, honest. <laughs> <laughs> I got somebody else. <laughs> he ended up with a baboon heart or something. Yeah. <laughs> now nah, even worse, probably. Uh, Probably, uh, let's see who else was in the bottom. Probably Eric's. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Old Eric. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm trying to remember the first bottom three. If it was, I, I'm pretty sure was Eric in it. The, the first bottom three, I think was Ariane, Michelle and Eric. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think I was in the second, so that would have been, I guess my first bottom three. Right. And that would have been, ah, I know it was Rima and probably Michelle. I think Rima and Michelle. No, 
because oh Matt, because Matt went home. That's right. It was Rima and Matt. Okay. And then I was gonna say I thought it was uh because uh the very first bottom three was the one when Ariane did the Molina Alicia Fox match thing. Right. Right. Okay. right. So yeah, so it would have been the site. So it was it was Rima and Matt with me, and then Matt went home. Right. Yeah. And I I it was all again confusion because you're going like. They didn't, it's not like they gave us a script that said, okay, this is the way the show is going to work. Uh, you're going to train this day and then do this on the next day and then this again. And then on the third day, there's a bottom three and they're going to announce it. Like but when he called us up to the front, I thought it was a good thing at first. Right. Like, until he said, okay, you're the bottom three, you know, that so, so by the, the next time when he called them and, and I was part of it, I knew that wasn't good. Like you said, asshole. Fucking so bottom down, yeah. Stick drops everywhere, man. Like everything's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Piece my organs back together. Like, yeah, right. Um, Stitch me up. So, man, Jesus. Till the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, uh, uh, being there, like you know, he's Austin, man. He is so so good he you do not want to be in front of that guy when no god you know because i mean he's just that that's somebody that's just so like come i mean he's just him you get a hundred percent of him and that's i mean if you piss him off you know it if if you made him crack a little smile and a laugh you know it you know he said on his his recent a e documentary that Steve Austin and Stone Cold are kind of the same person. It just depends on his environment. So, like, <laughs> if he's about to walk through the curtain and, you know, the glass shatters and 20,000 people go nuts, that's actually Steve Austin. But he can be just as intense when he's, like, this close to your face in front of three people. I mean, there's more people in the room because there's, like, production and stuff. But yeah. his audience in that moment was three people and whatever cameras are on him. And that same intensity comes out, which is what makes him such a good performer. That's exactly right. And that's, you know, because it's, again, when, when things go wrong or you're in the moment or, or, you know, there's no distraction, there's no coming out of character because there is no character. Exactly. You are, I mean, that's who you are. Uh, Ric Flair's another, you know, you know, he's the guy to be around him is, is the, craziest trip ever because he's just you, you don't want to go to a bar with him you're like jesus christ i'm gonna end up i'm gonna be the one that gets arrested for you you know <laughs> right like, uh and um but i just on a side note with austin if, yeah do you remember this is one of those funny uh memories that, that just came back because i share this with people a lot um i believe it was me and you and martin i think maybe matt was there we were on that balcony like it was the day after, I think it was the first day of training. We were up really early because we didn't know what to expect. So it was kind of an easy day. And we had met the trainers that, and we knew that Austin was, uh, at the, or, or maybe maybe this was a little bit later, like on our off day, because I knew we knew at this point that Austin was our trainer. And so it might've been like, I so said, the off day and we were up early just to be safe or ready for anything. But we were looking out, there was like a, a mountain, that big valley on the property it was on. And I saw this figure walking a dog yeah and he walked his dog just like he was walking to the ring it was the craziest fucking thing <laughs> yep there's no mistaking that walk no, no like from a mile away we just see this little you know it must be like a half mile or something but you just see this figure of him and and he's walking his dog and it was the most i said man the man needs to be 
a dog walker, like, the most <laughs> right. intense dog walker. Tired them out, <laughs> man. I'd buy a ticket. Yeah, I remember that. It was it was an off day, or it was like yeah, maybe, maybe it was just super early, and and I may have gotten my timing mixed up because the way I remember that was it was like it was it was a rest day because we would have training, field trip skills challenge slash elimination and then an off day in like the first half of the show eventually they would take yeah. away our off day but you may be right that it, it was like we were just up early and it was just like oh shit there I, there he is he's walking his dogs you know i think that was i want to say it was it was an off day you're right the fact okay. that you remember that schedule for the record blows my mind like, <laughs> I could, i'm yeah. going <laughs> uh but I, I told somebody the other day, I was like, I don't even know what year it is. I was, I was like, I told him, I said, come 2014, I'm going to figure this shit out. I got to buy the balls. Slaps, right. <laughs> I was like, I guess this. Don't you worry. <laughs> and Who I did this year away. ever beat? <laughs> yeah, who's he ever beat? Yeah. You're talking to wildfire, Tommy Rich <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> I was laughing the other day. I don't know if you, but... uh lately i said as i get older it went from like it goes from Shawn michaels to chris jericho now now you get down to like where i live you get a lot of i'll be walking random places and they're like "Woo, rick flair yeah even better i get now nowadays i get the the, man you remind me of a a young wildfire tommy rich and i said so i started just introducing myself as tommy rich to everybody (laughs) (laughs) And, and one guy one guy, no joke, goes, well, goddamn, he's aged well. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you were, you're, like, you're even more blonde now than you were on Tough Enough. Like, you, that, you, you definitely have, like, the bleach, the platinum blonde look happening. I got scared. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> life scared me, man. <laughs> but no, I don't know how it happened. But, yeah, it got, I guess it just, it is, it, it, it dying it whatever then it just kind of stays bleach blonde now i don't right <laughs> great. i take it i'll keep i just spend my time in the sun and enjoy it you know yeah, so. right but but yeah so the back i'm sorry way back up your question the bottom three totally cool. uh, yeah um, was, how did how did you feel like i want to get back to the bottom three but what was going through your head when you were packing your bags um oh yeah because we had to pack them before the bottom three i was uh man um i remember I kept forgetting shit, first of all. Like, I, I was like, man. And at some point, I don't think for any of them, I grabbed everything. Like, because I just was like, five. I mean, I was my way of thinking I'll I'll get through this no matter what I got to do, you know, like promo-wise or whatever. But it was just so much going through your head. Um, Definitely couldn't focus. And again, it was like confused. And you're thinking, uh, the first one, because we, we weren't allowed to, like, we weren't, it's not like we were there watching the bottom threes if we weren't in them. You know, I don't, I think people, that's something people don't understand that we didn't see everything going on on the show. So that makes it really right. We had no idea who survived until people came back to the house. Yeah. Yeah. We really didn't. And, and, uh, that's something to always remember when you watch those shows. Like, it's not like when, when they show a scene of two people, you knew anything of that going on. Like, I can't tell you how many of you guys, like people weren't getting along and I had no clue. I'm right. like, Hey, come hang out, guys. And they're like, I don't like her. And I'm <laughs> going, what would she do to you? Who'd yeah. she ever be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you get Michelle, uh, you know, the veteran. She's looking at me like, what, what kind of joke is that? I don't get it. 
Yeah. <laughs> 11 years. 11 years. What was it? 11? Oh, man. 11 years. Yeah. She and I have been in touch, though. I'm going to get her on the podcast. She's excited to talk about it. And I'm. Oh, has she good? Yeah. 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 Ask she uh, uh, did you pretty much get everybody on board with it? Almost. Um, I do not have eyes on Andy. I have no idea what happened to Andy. And like he was he was wrestling in Puerto Rico last the Internet said. But that was years ago. I don't know that he has any social media presence. I I, I have no idea. But um, but yeah, I've got almost everybody. I've been talking to a bunch of production. Um, I've as you and I are recording this, it is Thursday, June the 3rd. So it's like I said, it's going to be several weeks before this drops. But tomorrow morning, I've got Bill coming on the podcast. So I'm excited oh. about that. Um, and I've got, I don't want to reveal too much yet, but I have a verbal commitment from one of the other three remaining trainers. But uh-huh. you're going to have to tune in to see which, not you, but the listening audience yeah. Or in this case on YouTube, the watching audience is going to have to tune in to find out which of the other three trainers has agreed to be on the show. But I'm trying to get contestants, trainers, production. Remember Cutman Carlos, the medic? Yes. I'm trying yeah. to get Cutman on the show because he was definitely busy. He had his hands full with oh Martin and Christina and Ivelisse and, and, and people were just dropping left and right. So I want to get his perspective on the show. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to get like everybody 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 yeah that's awesome I'm, I'm amazed you're getting in touch with all these people i guess you get i mean you just kind of i mean hunt social, around or- social media yeah um that's that's most of it i guess um i don't have most people's like personal contact info but like a dm or a facebook message like seems to get the job done for the most part that's awesome well i hope I, i'm excited bill, i was hoping bill when you had mentioned a trainer coming on he was, he was i mean he's quintessential like he has right. to be if you pick any of them even outside of austin like bill was i mean i feel like he was kind of the ringleader of the whole right you now austin, really austin was the captain but bill was definitely you know first mate oh, yeah he was um so yeah you're packing your bags you're forgetting stuff you're confused um let's let's like fast forward a little bit so now you're you're in the bottom three for the first time um, mm-hmm. You're dealing with this relentless intensity of Steve Austin up in your grill. Is there any part of you that's like marking out a little bit at this point, or are you still full blown? This is my boss and he's pissed and I'm fighting for my job at this point. That, that's, that was my mindset. Okay. You know, like when I got there, I never, I, I don't know, maybe it was a, a blessing, like growing up, I was always kind of caught in the Hulk Hogan, ultimate warrior, like, you know, like the superstar era sure. and, and prior. So so if it'd been one of those guys, it might've been different, but Austin, I, I've always thought Austin was great. I liked him. I think I had, I, I, I'm sure I had my fair share of Austin t-shirts in you know, middle school or oh, whatever. Yeah. But, um, but it just, it, it he, he, to be honest, it couldn't have been a more perfect trainer for, for myself anyways, because he wasn't anybody that I ever, uh, idolized being, you know, I just was like, God, he's a badass. You know, I yeah. like style and uh so it was easy to be there and go um okay this is my boss like this is like he just did he didn't provide that fan awestruck moment for for me it was which thank god because who knows that would have added even more to the confusion that right. was going on right. you know it wasn't handling pressure real well but uh <laughs> but he was uh man he was uh just so intense. I was like, God, it's the worst job interview I've ever had. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this performance review is rough. 
<laughs> no, I haven't done anything yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's see. This is the you're you're in there with with Matt and Rima. Mm-hmm. Matt yeah. surrenders his belt. Your heart removes itself from your asshole, and I imagine climbs back up in your chest. You live to fight another day. Um, tell me what that was like surviving a bottom three. You know, it's like you take a breath, it's relief, and then you go. I remember my first thought was like, now there's a not target from for the, the, not a target from the contestants, but I, in, in my head, like from the trainers, there's a target on you, right. you know, because you've been there once, like, you know, you're clearly a weak link, you know, so kind of that instant moment. And man, I really like Matt too. So I was, I was, to be honest, like just as a, as a person, I was sad seeing him go because, you know, again, we don't, I didn't know the process to all this. Like it wasn't until we were there and he left. It was like, Oh, he's gone for good. You right. know, like it didn't not being in the first one, didn't really register that like, you know, Ariane was never coming back. Like I was like, okay. So, um, yeah. So, so and seeing that as a person, but as a wrestler, as a wrestler, yeah. cause he was so still is so fucking good. Oh my God. I don't know. You must, I'm sure you have him online. And stuff. He's, Oh yeah. He is everywhere. You know, he's wrestled yeah, he, in like 50 something countries. And like for somebody to make a living, traveling the world as an independent professional wrestler without ever having a contract with a major company is unheard of. You could probably count those. uh, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's, there's a decent number of them, but there aren't many, not many. No. And, and mean, he's, he's definitely like a uh, last of a dying breed there or like a true journeyman. Yeah. Journeyman. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's impressive, you know, but he, that's what he, he does, you know, he's applied himself and that's it for him, you know? Right. And, but yes, yeah, so that was sad. And then, um, but I mean, of course it, it's just like, you have everything again goes so fast, you know, a little bit of sadness, like, Hey man, I liked him. Good luck. Uh, then you're kind of relieved. Then by the time I got in the van, I was like, man, I, I got some work to do because they're going to be all over my ass, you know? And, right. uh, uh, and, um, uh, you know, you just think, God, what's it really that what's next kept going on my mind, you know, right. the whole time what's next, you know, like, yeah. and it gets more exasperating as the days go. It's true. <laughs> you know, it weeks go on. Um, do you remember what Zachy's reaction was when you returned to the house? Uh, I think, did he roll his eyes? I don't, I don't remember having words with him, but I remember he was kind of uh, something, something threw me off about him with it. I don't, I don't specifically remember either. And if you don't remember, that's, that's totally fine. But I, I just remember that you two had that. I mean, it was really more coming from him. He had this feud brewing with you and you're like, what's your fucking problem? So yeah. I, 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 that, that was uh, like I said, the what's next thing, like, it because you 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 avoid one thing and then before you know it some other thing happens and then then you go home like to the house and everybody's cool i remember what it was he, he said something under his breath but everybody was like hey like just like with eric and everybody when they came back the first time like congrats like you made it and I remember he just kind of rolled his eyes he's like uh go figure or got rid of the wrong or he said got rid of the wrong one or something like that yeah thinking, yeah what's next what is next like right i mean it's, you know, one problem, you, you, you jump one hurdle and you get to the, I mean, it's just another freaking wall, you know, right. but, you know, but then in perspective, you know, uh, you know, if you're there, you're there and, 
And, you know, it was, but I do remember that was the, the starting point that like he and I, he must've really started working that. Cause that's when we really started to, I started to kind of natural respond to him. Like I would just look, wasn't having it, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Do you remember any specific argument or like back and forth or exchange between you two? Because at this point we are, you know, heading into the bottom three that had you two in it and you would eventually get the last laugh and send him home with that promo off. But here's when things start getting not heated, but business starts picking up. Yeah. He, um, I remember there was, a, I want to say it was like in the kitchen or something, one of the mornings we were getting our breakfast and our bars and stuff together for the day. And he, I don't remember what the hell he was going on about, but it, it was, he it was, he started to kind of put in the subtle jab. Like he'd always kind of buddy up with like, uh, I think he, he's always seemed pretty cool with you. Um, Martin was on and off and then, and Luke, he would kind of get on because he, maybe because he was going for that heel thing. He was kind of like, he'd be on Luke's page and then, you know, Luke would always, he wasn't afraid to throw jabs at anybody. So if he did it, then Zach, he would kind of focus on me with it. Right. And uh, they played it well. Was, well played, well played. Yeah. But uh, I, I remember once he, uh, during that time, I remember the, uh, how, how orchestrated this was, I don't really know, but they uh, they were real, like, they're like, maybe you should write a letter to your girlfriend, like, you know, since you haven't talked to her or something. So I was like trying to write, you know, like, and they filmed all that. And then I remember he came in like out of the blue, he just comes in and picks it up. And he's like, Oh, let me read this. Oh, Jesus. And, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, that man, it was really, I was getting so overwhelmed at that point. Like it had nothing to do with her. It was, uh, it was about my life and, you know, my dreams, basically you're feeling everything. You just go down the fucking shitter, you know, as you're, you, I mean, it's just like slipping away from you every day. You know, that, that the craziest feeling. I'm like, I'm doing everything I can, but I, I just feel that the, the people aren't right. I'm not doing good. Uh, you know, it's it's it, it's not jiving. And then yeah. and the, all that emotion comes out, you know, and uh, and uh, so that was one. And then another one uh, after I played the guitar a little bit, they. Uh, I, I don't know if he was told to or if he did it on his own, but he went and hung it up on one of those, remember those giant metal grates and it was hanging. Yes. And did uh, it have a name? Did the the guitar? guitar? Yeah. Did it? Knowing me, I probably did name the guitar. Okay. I always do. Maybe I that wasn't something that Zachy, Zachy found out, but I have, for some reason, I have a memory of this guitar having a name. Maybe I heard I, it. As a kid. Man, your memory is something. I know, <laughs> knowing if you know anything, every single guitar, I, I just always joke the name, you know. And yeah. I know I named that because that's just part of my goofy, stupid, quirky personality of who I am. <laughs> yeah. But I gave it a name, and I remember it was pretty. It was something quirky and off the wall, right? But it's something just well, I'll, I'll think of it later. I'm sure. Okay. But it, it definitely did. That is so funny, man. Yeah. So he takes it, he hides it up or puts it up in this, like this grate up somewhere where you just, you know, have a hard time getting to it. Just being a dick, basically. It's just being a bully yeah. dick, which was his game plan at the time. He was going to be a bully. Like he was, he was going to seek out some heat. Um, a couple of days later though, you two end up in the bottom three. And if you could remind me who else was in the bottom three with you at the time. Uh, Rima. I okay, think was, I think, 
Yeah, that sounds right. All right. So it's you, Rima, you for the second time, Rima for the second time, Zachy yes. for the first time. And let's see. I don't remember. I think Rima, Steve spared Rima because I think she sought out extra training with Bill, which was an yes. option for everybody. So um, well, it was an option for everybody to request. I don't know that Bill would have accepted from, you know, me or Luke or you or whatever, but because Rima was coming in with precisely zero experience, Bill was willing to oblige. So, you know, she showed she, in that respect, she showed some extra desire to want to get better, to want to learn. So he spared Rima and he pitted you against Zaki in a promo off to save your spot on the show. Did you have any idea that was going to happen before he said it? And uh, I see a shake of the head already that answered that. So then when he said that, what was going through your mind with that promo? Man, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I remember and they could not have built that drama up more because right. again, I mean, I'm already th- like, I, all I remembered was I was thinking her and I are both our second time here. It's Zachy's first time. He's not, they've not given him nearly as hard of a time as they have me. You know, so I'm thinking you were like hanging by a thread here, you know, is what I'm thinking to myself. And then Rima goes, they sent her out, you know, like, all right, you want training? Go get it. I'll see you bright and early or whatever. And uh, so now it's just me and, and, and him. So, you know, now it's like, all right, we got me in my head. I'm thinking I'm, you know, already fighting for my life. And then he's he's got some some grab on me here, you know, like zoom it up. And, uh, and Austin's like, that's going to be a whirlwind, the promo. And, uh, I, you know, that was, that was, a, a, a an example, like that was just, I, I finally just let all that, you know, we were talking about the, what do they want? What do they care? What do they, that was finally let that down and just talked, you know, yeah. I, I said everything that was on my mind. I didn't really give a shit. It was probably not the pretty, I don't remember what was, uh, but I know it wasn't the, the most well-spoken thing. There was a lot of fucks and, uh, <laughs> you know, probably wouldn't have been good for WWE television, like, uh, you know, on live, uh, live raw or anything. Right. But, but it was great for a reality show. Yeah. Yeah. Do you so, remember anything specific? Do you like, do any lines still stand out to you to this very day? Um, any that you can share at the moment. And for if you can't, again, no big deal. It's on Peacock. Like it finally made the jump from WWE Network to Peacock. So it's like okay. it's there for anybody who wants to check it out. But um, you know, that was the moment that you you saved yourself from elimination. So I am curious if any of that is accessible to you at this very moment. Well, yeah, I uh I remember it came from from here from a you know uh, real place, you know, right. like you know, day and I it's something I still stand by. Like I never, ever, it's not about the pageantry and seeing your name in lights. You know, I think is how I said it. It's about, you know, creating moments and memories and the feeling, you know? And I said, and I think at the end, I said, that's why, you know, I'm going to be a superstar. I'll be a great superstar. I'll be a fucking legend one day because, you know, that just, it came out that way, but isn't that what, how legends are made isn't it isn't it moments that create them you know things that live in people's memories forever you're not doing it you know for uh and i'm not saying that was even the case at all with him that was just the vibe i got at the time and he's like bro i got nothing i'm like you gotta want this you can't go in the minute you need anything you're never gonna get it you know 
you got to want this so bad and you've got to want to change the world with it because you've got something to offer. And if you don't even know what you have to offer, how the fuck are you going to offer anything to anybody, you know? So, uh, let alone, you know, make a legacy for yourself that, you know, like this guy in front of us that, you know, Austin. Right. Well, it, it, it was enough. Um, he went first, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he did. He went yeah. first. So you had a chance to kind of, did, did any of your promo, was that a rebuttal to anything he said? Did anything he said really bother, bother you? Did you adjust your promo based on what he said or when he was talking, were you just kind of thinking about what you wanted to say, regardless of what came out of his mouth? No, I, uh, that's something I think, you know, to be honest, I think that moment was when I learned to listen to somebody and then just, I never really thought of it that way until now, but like uh, up until then, when you're learning to cut promos, you're always thinking of what you're going to say and what, but if you watch the really good guys at it, like, especially the live in ring promos, it's like, it's all, it's, it's a conversation. That's all it is. Right. It's, it's an exchange. It is. And and I remember, cause I was so, Thank God he went first. I mean, I got I could I couldn't thank him enough for doing that because I was so I mean, asshole was so tight about like, what do I say? How do I save my save myself here? You know, that I wouldn't even know where to begin. I had no words, I had nothing, you know, when when he said you're gonna cut a promo, I'm like, you know, if they would have asked me to start talking, I'm sure something would have come out, but it wouldn't have been anything profound. <laughs> yeah. So that's all I had to go off was what he said. And um I think I'd have to watch it and see, but I think it, it, it referenced a couple of things he said, and then just kind of, it based, you know, just whatever my perception of what he said was, I just was like, no, that's why it's not going to work for you. Right. And that's why it's going to work for me. So, I mean, there, I'm sure there was something to be said for your ability to take his promo and respond to it on the fly, turn it around on him on the fly. And yeah. I'd be shocked if that, wasn't one of the reasons that Steve decided to spare you and send Zachy home. Um, What did that feel like when Steve took Zachy's belt off of his shoulder? Well, you know, again, you know, as a person, like I never want to see anybody, you know, fail, but so I wasn't like giddy and happy, but I was real, real fucking happy for myself, you know? And, uh, and the minute that it, when he took the belt off of his shoulder, it was real all of a sudden. And uh, cause I don't, I don't remember how he said it, but it, it's like, I remember Austin walked real close to both of us after he's kind of recapping the promo. And uh, I remember it just, it was really just all it took was a little glance at Zachy and he grabbed it and pulled mm. it. And then I realized it was real. And, uh, and what it real quick, it felt like a new beginning. I thought, okay, this is my reset button. This is the, now, now I've got some momentum, you know, uh, because it was a time to shine, you know, and it worked and right. and he, he gave us that opportunity. So uh, now the nickname that you got, you really still can't figure out how you got it. And uh, you know, all the stuff that's been working against you and this guy that's been up, you know, just rag ragging you from like day one and you can't, and you're con- all these things that are confusing you are starting to make sense. So you know, they don't matter anymore. And right. uh, so it was like, a, like being re- like a rebirth of the, you know, of myself for, you know, the rest of the competition. So, so you had a fire under your ass at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really did. Good. I mean, of course, why wouldn't you after 
two stints in the bottom three and surviving both of them, then yeah. it's like, you're like, well, shit's, shit's gotta be on right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were there any guest appearances that really struck you or resonated with you? Cause I mean, we had a who's who of, of legends come through tough enough. I don't remember off the top of my head, which ones we had seen up to that point, but I want to say you were there for, you were definitely there for Cena. Obviously we talked about that already. I think you were there for Bret Hart. I think he was pretty yes. early on. Uh, Big Show, uh, perhaps? Big Show and Mysterio. And Mysterio, right. Yeah. Did you take away anything from any of those uh, guest appearances that really just kind of stuck with you or like made a mark on you? Yeah. Uh, Bret Hart, because I've heard him, um, he said something to us about how we're all all of us are always fans. He's like, always be a fan. He goes, that's how the way he said it was really, it it had a little bit, it had meaning to it. It was, yeah. He was saying, you know, if you lose track of, you know, I don't know if he was trying to say, don't, don't get your head in the star, like clouds and think you're a superstar or whatever. What I can't remember how he was trying to come across that. And I'd really like to watch it again and see what he said, but it stood out when all I, I remember gathering from it. He was just saying that, we're all fans at the end of the day. We're fans of this. We, we, we have to remember what make, I think he said, we have to remember what makes us a fan. What, mm. And that's where, um, you know, all these little pieces of advice, you know, you gather like in the past 10 years now, um, it kind of made me realize like, you know, as a wrestler, we get caught up in these matches about, yes, we want to do that emotional roller coaster and all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're just looking at it, face value like i could ask you like like your okay like what's like your favorite match of all time do you i'm sure you have what what do you have uh sean michaels versus the undertaker at wrestlemania 25 okay so you remember now as a wrestler it's a little different sometimes but you you remember like moves and spots within the match like certain things because you probably studied a little bit sure Okay. So, but as a, as a whole, the, uh, the finish, you said WrestleMania 26, 25 or 25. Yeah. The first one, the first one. So he catches the moonsault and tombstones in, right? Yep. Yeah. Now I, I like 26 because the, the drama, I think he, he slaps. Oh my God. It was, so, you, that was a magnificently told story. Absolutely. So I remember bits and pieces of both of those. And I guess let's use, um, you know, for, for lack of it, we'll use the 26 one because the drama, but the biggest thing I remember, I mean, I could, yeah, I'm sure if I saw clips of it, I remember like him moonsaulting on the announce table and right. Tombstone on the outside. Yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, I think the 25 was the undertaker dive where he almost died. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, you remember, you know, we sell moments. So you're remembering moments. And then you also remember like, so as a fan, those are things when they show those little, like those, the things at the beginning of the WWE show when the fans are like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, know, yeah. yeah. The reaction. And then you also remember the finish and two things, really it's the finish and how it made you feel. And that's, that's where you're like, I think whatever Bret Hart said, like it, if I had to put it into words, that's kind of what he was 
you know, he was like, you know, you have to remember what you're selling. You're selling these, these moments and you're, what made you a fan is going to make other people, you know, that's got to get across and don't ever forget that feeling. And it was just really something that was kind of give you chills about the way he said it. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's so. That's awesome. And, and priceless advice too, for any current or aspiring pro wrestlers, like if you, and you and I were talking about this at the top of the conversation too, if you kind of lose sight about lose sight of what it means to be a fan. And, and if you're performing from strictly a wrestler's point of view and you forget that you're performing for fans, then it's easy to lose your audience. It is. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, and for Brett to like kind of make a point to say that. And it's like, cause there's, there's also that part of pro wrestling culture. That's like, where are you a fucking Mark? Like, don't be such a Mark. Like, and it's yeah. like, it almost makes you feel bad for wanting to get lost in the joy of pro wrestling. And so for Bret Hart to say that, it's like, okay, I can feel okay about being a fan of pro wrestling and still be in the business of pro wrestling. Exactly. I mean, and not to mention coming from one of the most, but for our generation, the most technical, like wrestlers, wrestlers. Right. You know. So these guys that are worried about the spots and, and the technique of, you know, how perfect their, you know, headlock takeover looks or whatever they're trying to do versus something that looks a little more real and, you know, and the aggression and, and not the move, but the intent behind it. That's right. I think that's where you can get the same reaction out of, I mean, you could give your, you know, do the old, you know, like uh, Canadian destroyer off the second, or you can right. a body them and get the same reaction depending on what, you know, your intent behind it and how it happened, you know, right. and, and then of course your opponent's reaction, right. So deep, isn't it, man? It I, is. You know, it really yeah. is. I still, people still don't give pro wrestling credit for the depth of storytelling that happens between the relationship between wrestlers and the audience. And it's just, it's just fucking magic. It's all magic. It is. Um, quick sidebar before we head into the beginning of the end of your run on tough enough. Have you gone back and watched them like since or within the last like eight or nine years? No, you know, I have not. It wasn't till I met uh, Lori, I want to say, and I never even mentioned like tough enough to her. I just, I just like, and she found out on her own as, as fate would have it. Right. Know. The cool skid mark. I said, like, God, <laughs> shit. <Man. laughs> You're like, I well, said, I, I guess we're having this conversation. <laughs> some poor bastard i don't know yeah uh and uh i i, I told her, i tried telling her i had a twin once she didn't buy that <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. some wildfire uh, looking motherfucker yeah yeah <laughs> her name was tommy yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh but she uh i think we made it um i want to say i watched like the first two episodes maybe i said i said uh i said look you can I said, if I get time, I'll watch them. You just watch them on your own. I bet, uh, you know, I just, it wasn't something I don't like to, but I, I was like, I felt kind of weird watching it back as like myself, like, like, you know, my like, uh, Mark for yourself. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. You know, I thought of my, my, so I thought, yeah, I just felt yes, you, you watch it. But now I'm thinking like, I really ought to go back. It would be really neat to relive it. And yeah. And how things I'd like to see how the edits and stuff came together. You know? Right. Right. And I mean, as we've been touching on time and time again, like just dusting off old memories, I think it'd be, it'd be fun for that. But yeah. also it's like, I haven't watched, I haven't gone back and like 
quick, quick side note. I was so depressed after getting eliminated on episode eight that I never brought myself to be able to watch um, episode nine or 10 ever, 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 ever. Um, Like, because obviously when I was eliminated, I went home and was just super depressed. And then when the episodes were airing in like late May, I think is when I got eliminated. um, I was so depressed again because I was reliving all the events leading up to my inevitable elimination that I just couldn't bring myself to watch episodes nine or 10. So there are some that I like have yet to watch, but I haven't relived any of the like first one through eight episodes for like nine years or something like that. So, yeah. And so it's like, and you know, it's, it's the 10 year anniversary of our season. So it was like, Oh, it's a nice round number. It's like, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast, but um and it might even be happening by the time this airs, but I think I'm going to do a watch along on Twitch um, to, to just kind of like invite people to watch it with me now that it is on Peacock. Cause there was a while when it was off the network, but it wasn't on Peacock. So just going to plug my Twitch again. It's twitch.tv slash AJ Kirsch. And if it's not happening yet, this weekly watch along thing, it will be happening soon. So um you know, if, if you feel like doing it, then, then great. I understand yeah. if you don't want to, but like, I don't know, it's, it's not being a mark for yourself. It's reliving, at least this is how I look, I look at it. It's reliving a truly one of a kind journey that very few people in this entire world shared. And like yeah. you and I, I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with this. You and I are so lucky that we got to share this wacky ass journey together. And so it's like, at this point, you know, we can feel how we want to feel about what happened back then. But like you said, it's 10 years later, we're grown ass adults at this point. Most of us are in our mid or late thirties. And it's like, I, I, I think most of us, if not all of us can look back and be like, man, that was a fucking trip. That was a trip. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. I'd love to. We should. In fact, we'll have to, I'll have to get out there one day to you. We'll get some, uh, we'll have to smash down some burgers. And, oh, uh, dude, that'd be amazing. Next yeah. time, next time I'm out that way or next time you're on the West Coast, we need to absolutely make that happen. And, and for sure, a couple of wrestlers, I know you and I don't mind putting in a couple hundred miles to make it happen. No, hell no. And and for the record, I was a side note, but if you do ever get out when you're in like that Louisville area or whatever, yeah, let me know and I'll get you would do something like run over to Ohio Valley or do something. Oh yeah, I would love that. I it's would love cool. that. Yeah. Always some stuff going on. So Fuck hell yeah. yeah. I'm down. But, Absolutely I'm yeah. down. Uh, yeah, and if you definitely. ever make it out to the West Coast, like I'll do everything in my power to get you booked on as many shows as possible too. Let's yeah, I, I've been wanting to I, I've been wanting to make a regular uh, stop out of it, like you know, maybe three times a year or something or twice yeah. a year or whatever. Um, I know I've talked in the past about it. It just never, I went into the UK tours for a while. It just never lined up. So, right. um, you know, every time I was looking for a big trip, that would come up or something like that. I thought, well, better go there. Right. You know, but well, if, if, and when the time is right, I'll do everything in my power to keep you as busy as possible. Hell yeah. Yeah. We'll do it. We need to, we, it's a good time to get going on, especially when the shows and I was kind of waiting until after all this, when you get back to hundred percent and places right. are booking and man, that's me feel like a new being reborn again when these, it when is. we have, a, when we have like, a shows again, everybody's, everybody's coming back. Everybody's returning. It's great. Yeah. Um, 
let's let's get into your final your final stand um, on tough enough. Um, unless there's anything else that you want to cover before we get there, like I want to just kind of open up the floor and see if there are any other memories, stories, thoughts, feelings you want to share before we get to your uh, departure. No, we'll, uh, I'm sure if we do another one down the, you know, round two, we'll, uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll think of some stuff. If there's yeah. anything that pops. And in fact, I might even watch a little bit back and maybe it'll jog some memories. So oh, that, that'd be great. And like, let's, let's, you know, we don't need to, I'm not going to hold you to it, but if between now and, you know, if, if you do go back and rewatch it, if more, if you listen to prior episodes of the podcast and you want to talk about more shit, I would love to have you back. Hell yeah. Yeah. We cool. can do that. Yeah. Be, between that and your, and your prior episodes, if I can t- like touch base on that, we'll do a round two. We need to for sure. Awesome. I, in it. a perfect world, I'd get out there to you for round two and we could have a real sit down. But That'd be amazing. Well, be you cool. know, let's, let's, when, when, let's make it happen one way or the other. If we have to do Zoom, we will. But if there's a way to do it, I always prefer to do it in person. It just makes for a much more fun conversation. It so. would be, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I might, I might just surprise you. We'll find out. I, okay. I'll take a, Love um, it. Who have you had in person there? Was it, it was Ariane and Zaki, right? Ariane and Zaki, uh, Eric Van Wagenen, the executive producer, Meg Berry, that casting director we were talking, or casting producer we were talking about, Eric Watts. Um, let's see, who else? Off the top of my head, I think that might be it. It was Luke was on Zoom, Martin was on Zoom, Jeremiah was on Zoom, Bill DeMott tomorrow is going to be on Zoom. Simon Miller, wrestling analyst from What Culture, he was on Zoom because he's all the way the fuck in the UK. Oh God, who am I forgetting? I feel like I'm forgetting. I may not be forgetting anybody because Zachy was like three episodes. But yeah, I went out to Vegas. I went to LA. Most of them are in LA still because they're still working on TV shows. But um, oh, no, no, uh, Zachy is he in Florida still, or did he come back to? Is he in LA now? No, he's in Vegas. Zachy's oh, in Vegas now. Yeah. Okay. He's got like a one-year-old. He's doing really well. Zachy's doing cool. well. Cool. He, uh, I don't know if he told you, but when, when I was down doing like the FCW thing, uh, I think it was right around the time they started doing, we were doing like little independent shows and there was this bar in Largo and he and I had like a year long, they, they booked us to work each other for like a year long. They were like, no we want shit. you guys to main event all year. It was a Tuesday <laughs> night at this bar in Largo, Florida, which is by Clearwater. I don't think he did and tell me. He was living there at the time. And, and we, man, we worked. <laughs> so we got to take this on the road, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> Make that money. Oh, my God. It was so fun, though. But, like, we got along great then. We just had Good. some time. Uh, yeah. But um, it was just kind of a funny side note. We... You know, we ended up in the same same city together after yeah. all that. And That's uh funny. yeah, and he was yeah, and he doesn't wrestle at all anymore, huh? No, I mean you were saying it like in the opening minutes of this conversation where it's like if you're in it, you're like in it forever. Zachy is completely cold turkey from wrestling, doesn't yeah. work shows, doesn't go to shows, doesn't watch raw. Like when we were in uh doesn't watch any wrestling for that matter. When we were when I was in Vegas. We would, he has a gym in his garage. So we would like work out and we would like geek out over Attitude Era entrance themes and like work out to that. But like, that's kind of the extent of his, his wrestling uh, experience nowadays. He, he completely, as he said, broke up with pro wrestling and he's happier keeping the wrestling part of his life as a memory that he looks back on fondly rather than a present ongoing experience which is yeah. rare so rare for somebody to to 
yeah. get bit by the bug and then build up, um, you know, antibodies to the venom that that's inside that bug. He did it. You know, I don't know how, but he did it. He did it, you know, and, and, you know, has, has he been, I mean, and you never know, you don't know what the future holds. He might, sure. you know, and, uh, but it's, it's just something I, I think Tracy always told me, he goes, it's uh he said, it's a cancer bomb and it gets in you, you know? Yeah. He's like, it just, it's something you can't kick. And I was like, and I never understood it, you know, right. but, but now it's, it's Here we just, are 10 years later. And <laughs> but Zachy, Zachy kicked it though. Zachy kicked yeah. it. And it's like, I said, it's, it's, it's rare. It, it's rare. And so um, we get into that a lot too. So if you're, you're curious about how that happened, then I think you'll find it really, really interesting. Let's get into your, your final stand on top. Yeah. Third time. Last stand. Last stand. Um, third time in the bottom three, it was, Oh God. Let's see. Who was it? You. Was, I don't, I don't think I was in there yet. Shit, Although no, I probably been close. Blocked from my memory here. Let's Martin see. was killing it. Uh, Luke was killing it. Jeremiah was doing well. Who was left? Maybe Christina? Ivelisse? Luke. I I think Luke might have been in the bottom three with me. Okay. Okay. Because I remember hold on a minute here yeah it might have been luke and christina okay um i think here i have to watch me I mean, i'm definitely gonna have to watch that one before our next interview because okay. uh, uh yeah it, it was uh for, for right now we'll say luke and christina the reason i think it was luke was i remember they started he started getting a little bit of heat like that week um and then we did some kind of a uh, skills challenge that involved I don't remember but there was like chairs in the back corner and if you did good in the skills challenge you had to go sit in it like oh that's right that's right and I uh it was like the one day maybe my confidence was back a little bit since the second like I said it was kind of like a little bit of a rebirth right but I remember we were doing some kind of a like running a spot that had like a crossbody in it like running off yep. the ropes and it was like a uh, drop down a leapfrog a, the, i think martin eventually won that challenge but i think it was also his birthday that day but i do remember the the one you're talking about yeah i think he won it and uh, i remember my my big what uh like compliment was that they like bill and they were like man he, he's a, he's doing good today like for me you know right and they put me up there and everything seemed to be going just fine. And, uh, and, uh, I don't, I wish I could remember what the, if they, when they went to go pick the bottom three, they had some kind of reason for putting me there. I think if I'm not mistaken, that was the week two that, uh, remember when I kept telling you like, what's next, what's next. I, I got through the, uh, uh, bottom three, you know, the, the first one was or the, the second one was Zachy. Right. Kind of went back to it. Uh everything seemed cool. Went to training the first day of that week that we did that skills challenge with the uh Booker. That was the week he ripped me up by the shirt. And, oh right. Uh, now I don't know if this ruins the magic of it, but I, I remember that was one I did watch uh when I watched it back live. And I'll have to watch it and make sure I remember this right. But I remember when he picked me up. I was so, they had us on the floor stretching. Yep. 
And uh, Booker now he used, he used to walk around eating his uncrustables, yelling at us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he he was always like, be honest as a person. I like uh, I watched that A and E documentary of his recently. Yeah. He really it like he he said it best. He goes, he was so serious in WCW, and then by the time he went to WWF, you know, he was like, he just had fun with it, you know. And I could tell he at all the trainers, he just had the funnest time. Yeah. You, know, be, you could just tell he loved being there. And I was like that about him. So I never, maybe that was me taking his kindness for weakness. I don't know, but, but I, I'm laying there stretching and I was in a great mood and, you know, I felt fine. And, and I was listening, Bill was saying something and then Trish said something. And all of a sudden I felt like, you know, when you just feel it, like not just a shadow, like I just felt anger over me and I was yeah. Like, yeah. and he just rips me up, like pulling my legs, stretching or something on my back. Now, when I watched it back, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know how orchestrated or whatever this was, but when I was laying on, I was stretching one day and I had a, uh, like, you know, the Under Armour shirts we had, they had like yeah. a little tea on them. Yep. I was wearing one of those when they shoot this and, and they shoot me, I think I'm sitting up and I'm, my, I'm rolling my eyes at something. I, I think it's cause I got called skin mark or something. Then they, when they pan back up to Booker and, and he grabs me up, I've got that blue shirt. It was like the blue with the, uh, it was cotton. Like the big the white T or the big white TE logo. No, it was like, a, it was a, it was a dark blue one with like red letters in a circle. Oh yes. Like, yeah. It was like a, yeah. I know the one you're talking about. Yep. And that's the one he pulled me up by. And I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> it huh. seems so out of place because it was. And I was, I was, I remember I was, because I was like, I just happened to lay on my back. Now, I don't know if that was him just pissed off about something anyways, because he didn't say anything about, I don't think directly about rolling eyes. He yeah. just was that I needed to, we needed to not take things as a joke all the time or something and, and be more serious. So, but I remember the, the, the clip they used of me that looked like I instigated and was rolling my eyes, but I had a totally different shirt on. <laughs> Fascinating. And now I can't wait to go back and watch that clip because it's stuff like that, that I'm just like, hang on a second. And that's when I started looking back, I was like, that was my entire experience. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I was confused. I was yeah. confused. <laughs> but, um, Maybe that's why I haven't watched it. I'd be more confused now than ever. Yeah, right. More <laughs> questions than answers at this point. <laughs> no, they just keep getting deeper, bro. Uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, that was uh yeah, that was a side note there. That was like so so that was that that beginning of that week. And right. It's like so I'm going, what's next? Now I pissed him off. And then I, I believe later in the week, Trish kind of got on me a little bit about uh she she was always kind of like. I don't know. I always had a pretty good relationship with her up to that point. And then I think she got a little bit like, uh, almost kind of like Booker where it was just like, like it wasn't taking it serious or something. Yeah. I don't, it's just kind of like the theme of the week, you know? And, um, and then we did the skills challenge and everything seemed cool. And they're like, man, he's doing great. He's good. And then, and then sure enough, the bottom three hit. So that was the last week. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, at this point, you you're you've been in the bottom three twice already. You know, is there anything different in your mindset going into this one, or like, were you convinced going into it where you're like, "Well, I'm fucked at this point"? 
No, I, I, you know, I think I felt more like the, 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 uh, like, you know, I'm fucked like mentality for the second one. Okay. The third, I, this, this one, I thought I did it once I can do it again. So I focus on the positives. I was like, Hey, it's been a roller coaster this week. Like it's been from the beginning, but you know, it started off good. Then they, you know, Booker got onto me. Then I did something good. And then Trish got onto me and then, and then the skills challenge went good. And now they put me in the bottom three. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I remember going in going, you know, if I could get through one, it can't be any tougher than Zachy's was. And if it was, I'm going to be prepared for anything. Cause you know, so um, basically just saying, expect the unexpected. That's kind right. of what I went with and said, you know, just give it my all. So do you remember the, I mean, I'm sure you do, but can you describe the moment when uh, Steve took your belt? Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I, I got that place confused and I left confused. Like, yeah. <laughs> even when he took the belt, I was like, man, is he coming for me? I guess he is. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then he took it and I'm thinking, and it was, man, it was really weird because uh, when he said it, it sounded <clears throat> the way he did it. Like, and people told me like my, my girlfriend at the time, had told me after she goes, he doesn't sound like he really wanted to let you go, but it's like, he kind of had to. Mm. And I was like, well, he probably deserved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I remember him saying, you know, uh, this is just a case of three strikes, you're out. He was, I can't do much about it. He's yeah. like, uh, and, uh, and, but I felt a lot of, uh, he goes, I'll, I think he said, he goes, I'll see you down the road, you know, and I remembered that. And up until that point, I felt pretty shitty. But as soon as he said, see you down the road, and he grabbed it, I felt okay. So, yeah. um, like you said, I'd like to believe that everything from him, it just always seemed very genuine, you know. And uh, that was something that really just kind of made me feel it, it was com- it was probably the most comforting uh, sentence or four words of the entire show. I heard I mean, that was seriously the most comforting moment was him just saying that. Yeah. And uh, always stuck with me. So I'll never well, forget, especially to hear that when you were, you know, when your, your road on tough enough came to an end, like it's the yeah. perfect phrase, I think, to reassure you that this is not the, it was not the end of your journey uh, definitely not in pro wrestling. And so I, I just, I, I could appreciate if I, I don't think he said that to me when I was eliminated, but I could definitely appreciate hearing that when, when you're just at such a low moment. Yeah. Yeah. After you go through so much. And, and like I said, it seemed he's not, he doesn't seem like the guy that, that says a lot of things just to say him. Yeah. Know? So it just, for whatever reason, it was comforting. And, and, and you know how it is that whole experience, everything people would say, and it was hard to take anything in. You almost have to watch it back to, to go, Oh, okay. That was cool. So that was just something that like time just stopped for a minute. And it was like, Oh, it's okay. You know? And uh, man, that kept, and really from that point on, I felt fine about everything. The confusion kind of went away and I went, well, it wasn't meant to be, you know, yeah. you got to make a work on some stuff and, and uh yeah so but i left more motivated than ever you know right. like and, and the, the you know the the best part i mean about that show is now only one of us was going to win you know and now the ones that didn't we were all basically given a roadmap of like think about how aimless we went into that thing going like what is the what do they want who are they what is wwe are they changing do you know you, right. you know do they want a certain person do they make you 
you know, do, do you have to tell them what you're going to do? And, and we, we left there with a roadmap really. And, yeah. and I think that's a great thing. Like, like you said, how many people get to say they did that and had that kind of opportunity. Right. Um, um let's see any relief on your end. Yeah. It, it did feel like a weight was lifted because I mean, at some point, like, I don't know where the hell I heard this phrase, but it, it makes more sense as time goes on. There was like so many, I think they call it like shoes waiting to drop or whatever. There's so many things just hanging above my head. I'm just waiting for something to come just freaking crush me. Like I'm right. dodging, you know, <laughs> and, and I know at some point there's just more and more and there's no, I mean, it, it's just what it started to feel like, like I right. said, what's, what's next, you know, everything. And, uh, you know, it could have gone one of two ways and, and, and it, it, you know, it was kind of a little bit of a roller coaster. And eventually the, it was like the uh, little video game character bar just <laughs> died down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're eliminated. You go to that fancy Chinese place, you get some in and out afterwards, you're flying home the next day. Uh, there is of course, a ridiculous gag or ridiculous in that we could be sued for a million dollars if we talked to anybody. So you had to keep everything quiet. Um, what was that like? Just not being able to tell anybody what happened. Who knew, who knew that you had flown back when you did? Well, you know, honestly, uh, aside from the, the, I mean, just a select couple of people, uh, I didn't really, I didn't, yeah, obviously we couldn't take any bookings of course. and I realized I was like, I really don't have any friends. This is great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't have anybody to have to talk to like hide it from. Yeah. So, cause I moved away from everybody and, and as far as they know, I didn't have to talk to them and, right. and uh, family was understanding, you know, I just, Hey guys, I'm home. I'm okay. Uh, but I kept a low profile and, and like I said, I left more motivated than ever. So I, I just lived at the gym, you know, yeah. I would, I mean, I do that. I found a, um, uh, we were in Louisville and I think <clears throat> there's an old uh, uh, guy that I used to like, uh, there was a gym there at the time that had a ring in the back. He used to like, I don't know if he ran shows or what, but I was able to get in the ring and work a little bit. So I basically just went between uh, wrestling, the ring, uh, like, like wrestling in the ring, working out and then the gym. And then uh, uh, I would do a little bit of uh like writing. And I think I'm trying to think what I was doing to work. Um, man, I wish I could, I know I didn't do any kind of performance stuff. Like I didn't play in the band or anything. Cause it was just, it would be a, so I want to say I did like, Oh, I know I, I did the, I was doing the meal prep stuff on the side. So okay. a little bit that there was a, like a cardiologist that I was cooking, like heart healthy meals. It, was, it wasn't, it was more like heart healthy meals and stuff. Right. And I kind of got on board picking that up with him. And man, I, I think I, if I'm not mistaken, I started bouncing to the strip club just because they paid cash and I didn't have to talk to anybody. Nice. I Those, think are the best sure Those are the best. They are. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the bar was because a, a normal bar, you got to talk to too many people. Right. You know, and I think the strip club was perfect because I didn't, I just had to bounce. My job was to not talk to anybody. Right. Right. <laughs> if, if they asked me, I didn't have to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I worked a door for a number of years. In fact, um, it's as soon as things start opening up again, it's something I, I might get back into while things are like starting to ramp up, you know? And it's like, it's great because it's like 
for me, I would just be checking IDs and it's just like single serving interactions at the most. Like, it's just like, Hey, welcome. Thanks. Hope you have a good time. And that's it. Yeah. There's no chance for them to recognize you or ask a question or anything like that. It's, it's pretty, and and it's dark, you know, they're not really, uh, they're worried about, yeah. yeah, especially young kids are all worried about them and how they look. And you're like, exactly. all right, way too wrapped up in their own shit. For you going, move, about the move on, kids. Yeah. Move on. I got, I got stuff to do here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I think we already kind of covered what happened after Tough Enough. We, we covered, you know, your bookings went up. People wanted to book you with skid marks and that just wasn't going to fucking happen. And kudos for you for not letting that happen. Um, what let's see you were training at fcw fcw turns into the performance center and nxt you started diverting your uh focus more towards ovw and i mean we, we i'm just i'm just rehashing what we talked about already so it's like if we're going chronologically circle back to the beginning of the podcast to catch up with what ryan's doing what, what ryan has done since i think i'm ready to kind of wrap things up i feel like we've captured you know, what your perspective of the entire tough enough journey. And I know we've been talking for a long time and I appreciate you, you know, staying up late. So, um, but I do want to end with, I want to turn the floor over to you and just once again, see if there's anything else you want to add good, bad, ugly, or otherwise about tough enough. And then I'm going to ask you the question that I've started asking people to kind of close out the podcast. So one more time, man, what, any 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 remaining thoughts on your pre, during, and post tough enough experience? Uh, you, you know, we I think we all definitely came out of it different people than that went in it. And I remember Bill said this, and we all uh, all kind of looked at each other and said, uh, "He said uh, you are all what did he say? Um, how did he word it? He said, all your lives are going to change after this. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And I think all of us were thinking, I, I can't speak for all of us, but I know my mind immediately went to wrestling and that yeah. was it. Yep. I didn't think about, you know, like you said, the career opportunity, the gateway career, the spider web of, you know, it's the nucleus, but the things that branch out and the people you meet and, you know, uh, the decisions you make and, uh, you know, the people that approach you, you know, they're going to approach you differently than they used to it. You know, he, he, there was so much to that one statement and here we are, right. You know, um, and then you kind of re rehashing, Oh man, I got something. Uh, you rehashing the, uh, uh, like, um, after the fact, you know, like, you know, what have I done since? And, and I got to thinking like, you know, you did that if at the time you leave, you get kicked out, you feel like it's the end, you know, you really do. But if you can get your head in the right place, like I think all of us did, you're, you know, motivated. Um, you're not specifically set on working for one company or like, you know, just wrestling. You're like, well, you know, I am a like, like you've done with hoods, you're your character, you're, you're hosting shows as the same character that wrestled, right. you know, and, and I'm out there playing guitar and like the Velcro Pygmies doing the 1980s glam rock gimmick you know, stuff, but I'm still the, wrestling. The band name is the Velcro Pygmies. The Velcro Pygmies. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fantastic name. <laughs> yeah. If you get bored, you could YouTube Brian Howell and the Velcro Pygmies. You'll see all kinds of fun stuff. I will. I will. But, um, but yeah, that, but basically, you know, I was changing skinny jeans from my wrestling show. I'd put on a different pair of skinny jeans and go play with the band. <laughs> Usually take my knee pads off because, you know, that just causes questions, but right. Right. <laughs> but, uh, 
but you know, um, you know, and, and then that branched out to, I mean, I've gotten to do, I think we did two movies that uh, were like in the, you know, did the red box thing and all that, that mm-hmm. one of them was up in Canada. That was a great experience. Like, um, and now in, in, it's funny how media works. Uh, I think we edited a Mach three commercial, like just random opportunities present themselves. Uh, I think you did dating naked, right? I sure did. Yeah, <laughs> they had they had contacted me about it. And no several, shit. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I there's a few I didn't take. I remember one of them. Uh, I think it was Meg. She was like, "Can you?" I, I I didn't know how to work it at this point. She was, "Can you cook?" And I said, "Uh." Yeah, I love cooking. She didn't know. I don't think she knew about the meal preps and all that. She's like, are you sure you can cook? And I said, uh, yeah, I'm great. She goes, Ryan, are you sure you're a good cook? And I was like, well, yeah. I was like, gosh, shot myself in the foot on that. <laughs> I, could have been on, I think it was the Nightmare Chef or something like that. Or World Chef? Yeah, may, no, 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 it would have been World's. It's supposed to be, it was a show about like world's worst cooks. Okay. So I was trying to get at, you know, I see, I see. Are you sure? You know, cause if you, so it's just funny the way you look at the world, everything's backwards. Kind of like, what is it? Right. Stranger things, uh, stranger things. Is that the upside oh, the down? Upside down. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> We're in a man. We're yeah, in a, we are. So it's, it's just amazing to see where it goes and, and, uh, you know, and, and where we've all come. And then, I mean, who would have thought we would be in 10 years and then, and you right. keep, it, you just you don't know you don't know so right. definitely wouldn't take that back for the world but bill was right it changed all of our lives indeed yeah. indeed anyway. it did um so this is not the kind of staple question that i ask everybody but i'm gonna follow this question with that question what are your goals now in pro wrestling and have they changed since tough enough they are i don't think they have changed since tough enough because at that time you're just thinking in a, in a box, you know, or I was, it's like WWE, the WWE know? box, right. You want to be that. And that's, and, and really it's, it's about, you know, again, selling, it'd be great to be a niche, like, uh, what's the word for it? Like, uh, like, like a niche performer where, you know, people in the wrestling world know, really well like a brand wrote. not not a brand like um you know like like the smart marks and the, like where you're a well-known wrestler but to be a household name you know what i mean that that's the to me that's the goal like really to be you could be a uh blue you're not content or, with being an indie darling essentially ex- exactly you could be okay. a blue man or you could be steve austin you know what right. i mean and and it's there's nothing wrong with either but when you got to think like the, the really, you know, Austin could, you know, do what he did and then reinvent himself. And I mean, look at how much he's done since it's hard to believe he's been out of wrestling really as long as he has. It's hard. 18 years. Eight. Is it really that long? 2003. Well, I mean, that was the last time he was in a match was 2003, but he was like a commissioner and a special referee from time to time. And he, you know, he pops up what, like once or twice a year during whatever anniversary Raw is celebrating. Yeah. So it's not like he's been completely away, but like his last match was 2003, which was 18 fucking years ago. That's so hard to believe. Holy shit. But, you know, look at, I mean, hit everything from his, I mean, his podcast is huge. Right. You know, he's got his Broken Skull Ranch brand on damn near everything. Um, I feel like it'll, do you ever, 
like feel like that the tough enough some of the stuff we did was like a testing ground on his broken skull ranch challenge oh, yeah. like oh for yeah. sure yeah some yeah. of those some of those uh training you know drills and definitely that run through the canyon was a nightmare like i definitely think it set the blueprint for broken skull challenge yeah, I think so. I, I think it was a lot. Of, I just think there's, it's funny. There's a lot to that. Yeah. But, you know, you think about how much he's done and his brand, you know, he, he laid, he planted that seed as Austin that just grew. And then before, you know, rather than stay in that market, it, it, you know, it, it's gone onto so many other places where it's, I mean, he has a household, you go anywhere and you ask if they know who he is. Like, oh yeah. the rest right. of it. But, but they, and so that's, I mean, for my goals, it's, it's, uh, it's what it's always been. I mean, just I'd be out there doing everything that, that I enjoy doing with it and, you know, do it as yourself. And, uh, uh, my goal, really, I, I do quality over quantity on shows. Now I try to go yeah. through what's going to reach the most people, um, to get this character that I believe in that I want to sell moments of, you know, for people to remember. So when, one day when I'm dead and gone, they're going to go, Oh man, that guy, I remember watching him when I was a kid. Yeah. I watched him with my dad and whatever, you yeah. know? And, uh, so that's kind of, I, I, I feel like it's a good place to be, you know? Yeah. So, um, that sounds so, like yeah. you're having more fun with wrestling than ever before. It, it's, and that's the biggest thing is having fun. You know, I, Bill always cracked me up with training. He's like, why is, I mean, this, this started on tough enough and went all the way through the last tryout I did with them. I mean, why is everybody's asshole so tight in here? You know, yeah. and now I get it, you know, because you could take it serious and, and, and still have fun because at the end of the day, the guys that we're watching on TV are in the ring, just having fun. You mm -hmm. know, the guys that are at the top of the game that, you know, and, and what kind of like you, like, it doesn't have to be one, there's no, to me, there's no magic place to go. It doesn't have to be one company. It doesn't have to be WWE or AW or whoever's going, you know, impact if they're doing anything, you know, like, it's just, how can I make a living doing this? And like, I, I'd much rather make $50 doing what I love than 5,000 driving the semi truck and cussing about throwing beer at people all day that I can't stand. Right. You know? And that's what it comes down to. So, um, Hope, you know, hopefully it pays more than 50 bucks, but I'll, right. I'll go. it means that the meaning there's a real good, uh, one of the books I remember who it was, but he said, money is energy. He, and I, and I kind of had to read on it and it said, you know, it, all it does is it, it's a reflection of the energy we put forward towards something. So clearly you're going to live a much more meaningful life. Whatever money you made has been doing what you love, you yeah. know, and, something that means something to you versus some people like just going through the motions. You know, that's not for me though. Like I, I couldn't, I don't want to work to build somebody else's dream, you know? Right. So well and, put, uh, well, put. and that's, and, and does, and doesn't wrestling provide the best playground for us to, to build that, you know, to sell that dream and right. you know, make something. So, yeah. Good shit, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. Last question. And this is the one that I've been teasing uh, the last couple minutes. Uh, how would you describe your relationship with professional wrestling? Uh, married for life. <laughs> <laughs> he said Wait. after a heavy sigh. <laughs> yeah. Let me say, uh, till death do us part. And unfortunately I I'm immortal. So <laughs> 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 I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, dude, I'm I'm so happy that you would would set aside such a generous amount of time to catch up and um and that you would like get into as I said the good, the bad and the ugly of your tough enough experience. There was definitely a lot of everything. And so for for you to go back in such detail and and share as much as you did, I really do uh appreciate it. Um Oh yeah. And I hope we can make let's make part 2 happen when the time is right. Whether it's in person, whether it's over Zoom, I would love to uh, touch base with you again after you've dusted off a little bit more of your your tough enough experience and the the memories kind of start start coming back to you. I would love to make that happen. You got it, man. We'll do it for sure. Awesome. He is Ryan Howe, and this has been Tough Talk with AJ Kirsch. See ya. Bye. <laughs>